If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire podcast. It's one everybody's been waiting for, I think. I think people have been waiting for a long time. Check us out, mwwire.com. Facebook, Twitter, all that same stuff, Mountain West Wire, MWC Wire. And, hey, we got a new app as well, so check out the Sports Wire to get um, everything about the USA Today Wire stuff. So that's pretty cool. So myself, Jeremy Moss, Matt Kennelly, as always. Say hello, Matt. Howdy. You know how to do this, right? Oh, I know how to do it. <laughs> I'm just making sure it's a little hesitant. And then we have a uh, new guest tonight, Boise State writer. We have uh, Raja Prabala joining us this evening, so – Say hello, because it's been a while since you joined us on the show. Yeah, I think it was before um, the Mountain West Championship game. And, um, you know, Boise State, like you said, is the biggest deal in the Mountain West. So I think it's appropriate that we have three people on this podcast. It's a heavy load, right, to figure everything out? Yeah. And, okay, so here's what we do. We're just going to be a what we normally do, um, where we talk about the team, changes, all that fun stuff. If you've heard any of the other podcasts, thank you. Because, Raj, you've been telling me you've been listening to every single one. How, how, how have me and Matt been doing so far? Well, I, I I casually listen to them at work. I just like have like five or six different podcasts. But like the last two days, I've been scouring the podcast, listening to every single one, trying to document any slight toward Boise State. How many? And, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they've been pretty good. Um, just going through them, and um, you know, Matt's got all the stats, and you got the voice. So I think you guys got a good team. Excellent. So we brought you on because me and Matt, we I think we follow fairly closely, but we're. A little more broad. You're right in there. It's all Boise State, which is great, and that's why we have you and other people on the site write and join us every now and then on the podcast. So let's just start with the um, – we already know they're ranked. If, I guess I guess the ranking time is here because before we were doing these in May and June, and now we know they're 22nd. Let's start there. Do you think that's appropriate ranking? Because they're definitely ahead of UCF, which is correct. Well, I think it's kind of interesting because after this – this one time, no one's going to care about the coaches poll again till the end of the year. True. So because just as a second poll, but since it's the first poll out, we're all making a big deal about it. But you know, I think Matt tweeted this. I was hoping to be in the high teens. I don't really think it really matters. But um, yeah, twenty-two, just as long as they're definitely ranked. So but and ahead of UCF. But Texas, right? Right, Matt. Right, right, guys. <laughs> I mean, I'll say I'll say what I've maintained all along. I firmly believe that if we lived in a just world, you know, Boise, Fresno, and San Diego State would all be in the top twenty-five. Boise, like Raja mentioned, would probably be somewhere closer to, you know, wherever South Florida started last year. I think they were seventeen to start with last year. And, you know, to me, especially based on the way that the Broncos ended last year, you know, that seems. I mean, to me, it seems about right that all three of those teams should be ranked. 
but naturally that's the defending champions coming off a big bowl win from you know last December that the Broncos would be kind of leading this pack. That makes that makes sense. That's where it should be, right? Well, that's where it problem. should be. I think that like most people when they're doing this, they're gonna they're just gonna put two mid majors, maybe three, and um, UCF won the won the New York's uh, New Year's Six game, so they got to be there. And Boise State represents the Mountain West, so I think a lot of people they're not looking at all 129 teams trying to figure out the top 25. They're just going through trying to pick the best teams from each conference, and they kind of lump the group of five together, and you try to pick somewhere between one to three based on the year. So I think that's kind of why Fresno State and San Diego State got squeezed out. I think for, we'll get to Boise stuff here. I think Fresno's out because was it a fluke? Was it really legit? Right. And you'll hear our Fresno show will be next, but their offense <clears throat> is probably going to be the biggest turnaround, I think, from production from last year to this year because McMarion will actually have an offseason, spring all that good jazz to actually – know everybody and know his team better. So I think they'll have the biggest improvements. That's why I thought they should be ranked, but we'll get to it later. So, But the biggest thing I want to start with you is coaching. A lot of these staffs, there's, oh, you lose guys to the NFL, CFL, new new gigs around the country. Boise State's had some pretty good stability from all their coaches. They finally have what, D.C., O.C., more than replacing every year. So as I'm asking, how big a deal is that with Boise having that continuity? Because they lose guys every so often to a new school because – Power five or a head coaching gig or just a cross lateral position at a Pac twelve school. That is a really, really big deal. Uh I think the only coach they lost was Ashley Ambrose went to Colorado. But I think they brought back every other full time coach and um you know, Harson hasn't had that. And you can even go back to Chris Peterson, like, you know, you'd always see like Wilcox, Pease, Harson, you know, one after another take off. So I think that's gonna make a really big difference on the offensive side. Um Andy Avalos He's he's getting a lot of love on Twitter, and he deserves all of it. Because I remember when he got promoted defensive coordinator last year to go over for Marcel Yates. I, I like Andy Avalos, but I didn't know if he was going to be ready for taking the D.C. spot. But um, he obviously did tremendous, and the offense the side stayed the same. So um, that's going to be a pretty big asset, I think. All right, so if that's the same, which is clearly – that rarely happens. But here, let's go with this. So – I got offense to de- well I'm sounding terrible today I apologize let's, let me wrap this up here. let's get this moving along let me actually get my pump, fist pumped in the air for Boise State because a lot of people are asking I don't like Boise State but that's not true so I should get get that out of the way at the beginning so with the quarters everybody coming back let's just jump, jump in the offense because we're going to make this um, longer podcast than normal I believe and Matt you should jump in as well I don't want to dominate saying I'm doing all the talking here I was not a fan of Montel Cozart playing at all last year for what he played with Brett Rippin being the starter, the guy, how does that make – how do you think, Raj, would be any difference for their offense? Is it going to be that much better? Because I've always got, had the impression or the guys, if you're looking over your shoulder, it's always an issue. Like, oh, if you hit the guy in the feed, interception, just do any minor screw up, you'll be pulled out. Does, how do you think it'll change if it's going to be him? Because I assume it's going to be 99% Rippin no matter what, unless it's like a blowout. Right. Well – the thing is, you know when you hear like two quarterbacks, a starter and the backup saying they're best friends, you know that's not true. But I do kind of think there was a bit of truth in that with Rippin and Cozart last year. They seemed to get along really well. And um, I think middle of the year when Rippin went on that unbelievable tear, I think he started um, maybe like week five. He won like like seven straight games with just two interceptions. Both of those came in one game. Um, I think that was at BYU. I can't remember. But uh, he won seven games with just two. And basically after that, he was really just – 
the starting quarterback. It wasn't a two-quarterback system. After like the fourth or fifth game, it was just a few packages for Cozart, and that was kind of just, I think Brian Hartson did that because um, there's been a lot of quarterbacks that have just left when they didn't get their chance. So it, it meant a lot that a guy came and just said, hey, I don't care if I'm the starter or backup, I just want to play. But, uh, yeah, Rippon will probably have a terrific year. He went crazy the last six, seven games. Mm-hmm. And if he played – and if he started and played like that the entire year, he would have been um, all-conference con- all team number one again. But, you know, Nick Stevens, good year. So, But, yeah, <laughs> Rippon's going to be crazy. So um, I think he's going to have a really, really good year. I think he might even play himself into a late draft pick. But, you know, <laughs> we can get there when we get there. But – um. I think he's going to have a really big year. He's not going to have the safety blanket of Cedric Wilson. We could get there in a sec, but um, stability at coordinator is probably going to really help him, and um, this is last season. so. And you guys have talked about this a lot. Brett Ribbon, when he's on his game, he's probably the best quarterback in the conference. Like mm-hmm. It's not even close, but you know he's had bad games or bad stretches in games, and you know if he could just limit or eliminate that, then you know, the sky's the limit for this offense. Yeah, and I think to kind of piggyback off that last point, you know, I think when you look back at the way the quarterback situation unfolded last year in Boise, you know, when you look at Cozart's final line, especially, you know, 10 touchdowns, one interception, a slightly better completion rate than Rippon had himself, you know, slightly higher sack rate. But, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that on the whole, it worked out. But it had the effect, at least to me, of that lingering question of like, you know, how good can Brett Rippon be? Because, you know, there were a lot of games last year, especially against tougher defenses where, you know, even if Boise was winning some of those games, it wasn't necessarily because of Rippon. And I'm thinking like, especially about the, the opener against Troy, you know, he completed under 56% of his passes, no touchdowns, one interception. You know, they won big at San Diego State, but they didn't necessarily need him to do it. He only had 72 yards in that game on 11 completions. You know, he struggled a little bit in the championship game against Fresno. You know, and and those are, you know, more isolated things. I think, you, as Roger pointed out, there was the long stretch in the middle of the year where he was just, you know, blowing people away. Like, he basically tore apart a, a pretty good Wyoming secondary, you know, tore apart a pretty good Utah State defense. And, you know, handled business against the likes of Nevada and Air Force and things like that. But, you know, I think, the, like he, like Raja said, there's that question of, you know, is he going to be able to do that all the time? Because if he takes a step backwards, like we kind of know that when he struggles, the team as a whole struggles. And for as much talent as they have on offense around him, He's still the guy that's going to make it go, and if if he like he said if he slips, then I think that that could mean trouble in the long run for the Broncos. Let's just make sure he throws no shovel passes, right? Huh. <laughs> just say <laughs> sorry for the memory on that one, <laughs> Washington State. Well, and the other thing, and we're going to probably transition to running backs right after this. And you guys touched on this quite a bit in the in your media days podcast, but. Um, Madison is really, really good. He's going to be a really good player, but he's not JHI. He can't just, you can't just give him the ball 35 times if Rippon's having a bad game. He's going to be a really good player, but you know he he just can't carry the whole entire offense by himself. So, you know, Rippon is the is the straw. So, you know, and really quickly, just going that stretch. You look at so Wyoming 74 percent, um, no touchdowns, and interceptions. Utah State. 
70% three touchdowns. Nevada, 74% two touchdowns. Colorado State is 53 with four touchdowns and one interception. But you take out that first half and Ooh, yeah. you know, the stats <laughs> change a little bit. And then yeah. Air Force, 72% three touchdowns. And Fresno, the first game was 71%. So that is a pretty crazy stretch to be going through. So let's uh, move to running back, like I said, really quick. So who would you have first team? Would you have Madison or Washington? Because that seems to be the argument everybody's having. Or should <laughs> we boot Lexington Thomas altogether and put Washington and Madison at number one? I, I think it's, it's tough. tough. Think, it is, yeah. <laughs> I think you guys made a good argument that Washington wasn't the guy last year. So that would be Boise State's argument. But the same argument could be made that Madison was banged up his um, – I mean, th- yeah, the Colorado State game, that was crazy, but there were obviously some games when, you know, he wasn't as productive, and then he got banged up again near the end of the year. But, um, yeah, I'm looking at his game log right now. He, <laughs> 118, 128, 91, 110, 64, 242, 42, 63, 50. Those are his rushing yards per game, and that's mm-hmm. a pretty big disparity. Yeah, it is, and it's like we could pull close because there's like – you probably said others for us. They're like, oh, Penny only had sit what under sixty yards in those two losses. But right. you can poke holes anybody. I think Madison has the potential to be that guy. It's, but maybe we're just over hyping Thomas. But I think I like yeah. there was the guys that were underdog dynasty. Like, why is San Diego State? They have a new running back. I'm like, well, did you know they bring back their entire offensive line that was like half freshman last year, and they have the track record. That's why I went with like the track record. They besides having just two two thousand back back to back. They've had go back to like Adam Wham, they've had all these guys running right. extremely well. So it's not a fluke that they've had these great rushing attacks. And Washington's played as a third string, as a backup, kick returning. So that's where I went from. But it was it's just super close. And if they're both healthy, just have as many running backs that are great as possible. Madison, he right. has potential. Like he had a thousand yards in a season. People are like, yeah, it was just okay. Twelve touchdowns, a thousand. That's good. Maybe he'll get eighteen hundred, fifteen hundred. But it's. I don't know. It's uh, it's tough. I just we're just curious what you thought because you're the Boise guy and wanted to see what you had to say about it. Well, ultimately, doesn't matter. Like neither of them are gonna be like a Pumphrey, a Jai. They're not gonna be at that level, but they're both gonna be really good. So I mean, does it really matter debating it at this point? To some fans, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I think the good news for Boise is that. Madison, I don't think, necessarily has to be like at that Colorado State level every week for this running game to be, you know, well above average. You know, I think as long as they could be closer to that, to the struggles that they had at the beginning of the year, you know, if you look at some of the numbers, you know, there, there wasn't that much difference between their performance last year and in 2016. But, you know, they did have a little bit of a drop off in short yarded situations, you know, power success rate that that's what they call it a football study hall like there was a slight drop off there there was a slight drop off in opportunity rate which is just basically the ability of a running back to get more than five yards or, or rather how many yards they get after the first five so i mean they, they dropped off a little bit in that regard they dropped off a little bit in getting stuffed at the line you know you know they were they were stopped at or behind the line a little more often than they were two years ago and i think as long as they can get trending in the right direction you know it's not necessarily about finding more explosiveness because you know the story of this team when they've been at their best being really efficient and as long as madison and you know whoever the understudy happens to be whether it's robert mahone or um you know skylar siebold whoever picks up that rb rb2 spot it's not going to take all that much i don't think for the running game to be really good 
uh, I just want to add two things to that. I think that Matt's right, but I think the first three games, Madison is going to matter a lot more. They got tr- they got Troy on the road, then um, UConn at home, then hey, Oklahoma State. UConn. Okay, UConn doesn't matter. And <laughs> tomorrow, I'm going to talk to you about that that podcast. It was funny, but <laughs> that was Boise great. State in the football game was the fifth biggest topic. We'll talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> um, but um, the first three games, then they get to the bye week. And, you know, without Cedric Wilson, I think the wide receiver group, there's so much talent. But I think the first three weeks and the bye week will kind of just give them time where Rippon could just take off. So the first three games, they're going to maybe need to depend on Masson more. And the one name that um, – Matt didn't say for RB2 is um, Alexander Van Buren. You look at Boise State's tradition, or new tradition, I guess you could say, um, under Harson is they had Ajayi and they started playing McNichols as a true freshman, and then they burned the red shirt with Madison, I think, in game two, and he went. And I, and I think um, Van Buren is going to be the next guy, and I think he's going to be really good. So I think he's going to work his way up to RB2 by the time we get into the middle of the season, even though I think Mahoney is a good, good running back as well. Well, and also with Boise running backs, junior year is the big year. Like Doug Martin, uh, McNichols, uh, J.J., they've had huge years. And so maybe this is it. Should be. Like, he should be better anyways from last year. Fully healthy, you would assume. Right. He has a stability offense, one quarterback. It's different when you're taking the handoff from Cozart to Rippon. It's There's some rhythm stuff that can um, – Little hiccups here or there, that because it's not always consistent. But those good receivers, Cedric Wilson gone, AJ Richardson should be really good. Jake Rowe, the um, nearly had a uh, touch for touch for touchdown ratio of one to one, which was pretty amazing for a while. So, so, how concerned are you with receiver with losing Wilson, who's now in the NFL? Well, well, losing Wilson. That's I know. I, I had an answer, then you then you sprung that on me in the last sentence. That's that's tough. You know that he was really good. If he had played four years at Boise State, he probably owned all the he'd own all the yeah. records. But he only played two years. But um, that's tough. But I think there's a lot of talent on the team. They got uh, three really good true freshmen that I think at least one or two they're going to play. Actually, they had a fourth guy, but he wasn't. He just they just, we just found out he's not academically eligible. But I think Octavius Evans. He's um he's a true sophomore. He played a little bit last year. I think he's going to have a really like a breakout year. I kind of um. I did an article in June just kind of messing around with a few other Boise State guys in a, in a round table. I said that I think Octavius Evans is going to break out, but he's had a great fall camp. Like, that's what the media is saying. Obviously, you know, that's just the open portion of it. But, you know, Richardson's good. Killian Butler, he's a, he's a junior. He's been dealing with injuries. But, and then Stefan Codds and Khalil Shakir, they're both um, true freshmen. I think both of them are going to play. So I think there's a lot of talent there. It's just how, how ready are they? I know Richardson is ready, but he's not going to carry the load by himself. Yeah. And um, tight ends, they lost not just um, Jake Rowe, but they lost their backup, yeah. Alex Danens, who was a good safety blanket. And now they just kind of have like a mixed bag with four different guys. And we'll see. We'll see who comes out of there. But um, I, I'm not overly concerned. I'm concerned about the first three games till the wide receivers kind of work themselves out. I know they got the talent, but we don't know who are going to be the top two or three guys yet. Really quick before Matt, you hop in. So – just I'm throwing this number out there because it's eye dropping or not eye dropping. It's jaw dropping or eye popping. I forget that correct. Cedric Wilson <laughs> had 1,531 yards. The rest of the offense receiving group had 2,084 yards. That's like well, eight, eight <laughs> other guys. I'm just saying that's a that's it's a pretty big dip, pretty big loss when you look at it that way. When he had nearly half the receiving yards, one guy. Well, he just uh, – I don't know, man. I thought he was banged up, and he just kept on going and just kept on putting up crazy numbers. That Oregon game was crazy. I was at that game, and we knew he was kind of banged up, and he was having – like ever since that Colorado State game, but every single time the ball just went to him, he just nabbed it. I mean, I don't know. I, he went crazy. And um, 
the one other thing is that play with Cozart that he ran back. He he threw to Cedric Wilson every single time, pretty much. I mean, the only thing I could really add to that is, you know, you could have had this same conversation two years ago, mm-hmm. before sure. before Cedric Wilson stepped up to become the you know the second wide receiver next to Thomas Spurback, and I think, you know, more so than probably any other position that Boise State has really benefited from recruiting really good receivers for like the last three or four years. And to me, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, as, as Raja alluded to how much they lean on the young guys like Evans and, you know, Butler and those guys versus kind of the, the more veteran receivers, like for instance, Sean Monster, who I don't think anybody's mentioned yet. Yeah. Because, at least among the guys who are coming back this year, he was their second leading returner or second leading returning receiver rather. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while you might like to see maybe a little more big playability out of him, you know, if he can be that reliable guy on the inside, you know, maybe that slot receiver that Boise seems to have two or three of every year, you know, he's had a pretty solid catch rate last year, right around 60%. So did Richardson, you know, so did John Bates, as as you know, Roger mentioned at the head end possession. So they have guys who can catch the ball, and it's just going to be really interesting to see whether they lean on the vets who've been around or whether the young guys can break out and find themselves a role. Well, look at the, the young guys. Like, look at the recruiting numbers. Every like true freshman, like high, more highly rated than almost anybody who's experienced. And with the new rule, maybe they'll get to play against say UConn or other teams to get ready for either get them going to figure out how good they are or save them to the end. But they have plenty of young guys who, who knows how much they'll contribute this year, but they have guys that are projected, whatever you want to use the word, are going to be better than who they have having the field down. So that's just going to add to a ton of depth because they do bring back a lot of receivers who played. It's just right. when you lose like your superstar, who's like I mentioned over but 1500 of the 3,500 yards went to him. It's going to take a lot of guys to build up to replicate that as a group. And I think they have young guys to do it. It just might kind of be a rotating base where one guy goes three for 40 and the score, you know what I mean, five for 50. Or, you know I mean, just rotating guys where you may have a dozen guys who have 10 catches each or something. Yeah, I think um, Sean Monster, that was um, an, uh, that was a pretty bad admission by me. Um, he dropped a few passes last year. Um, you know, he's a senior. It's good to have a guy like that. Yeah. Um, but both both him and AJ Richardson, even though Richardson looks like an athlete that would run really big, he most of his pass most of his damage was done underneath. And same with Monster, um, just kind of moving on to tight ends. Well, really quickly, like you were saying, the true freshman, I think Shakir will probably play, and maybe Cobbs will play. So that that's five wide receivers, I think, if you look at Shakir or or Cobbs, and then Richardson, CT Thomas, Sean Monster, Butler, and Evans. That's six wide receivers right there, and. You know they'll figure it out. That's why I think just getting to the bye week. If they can get to the bye week three and zero, and then kind of figure it out, that's going to be pretty dangerous. And just kind of moving on to tight ends, they got a true freshman um, who they got. I think um, after the early signing day, Tyneel Hopper, who was a big time grab, and um, I think he'll play as well. All right, so let's move on to the offensive line. We go each position group, even the linemen, because it's super important. If those who know football, that's kind of a big <laughs> deal. So this is the one. Well, there's a couple of concerns on a Boise offense, but typically we know they should be fine. But like I said, open up Troy, Oklahoma State, week three. They lose a couple of pretty big offensive linemen like Mason Hampton, Archie Lewis. But And last year, there's a lot of – what will help them, I think, is that we saw last year. How many – Matt, you probably noticed. You always pull us up. How many combinations of offensive linemen did they use because of injuries? They used quite a bit. 
I tried to find that and I and I couldn't oh, before I got on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that they have at least six or seven guys who saw extensive playing time last year. So, you know, losing Hampton, losing Lewis probably won't hurt as much as it might have, you know, with an average team, mm-hmm. with a team that's not Boise State. Yeah, just just subjectively, just looking at their depth chart, um, there's seven guys that I'm pretty sure that played last year. Um, that left side is going to be really good. Cleveland and Malcolm, they're um, defend, uh, returning first-teamers, and then they're just going to figure it out, I think. I think they'll be all right. Um, you kind of got to worry when you go up against the, the Big 12 athletes, but I I, I don't think it's going to be as big a concern as, um, as people think it will be. Now, it, it'll, like... Finding the center is going to be tough. Like, looking at guys like, um, I don't have their depth chart, but Garrett Larson played left guard. He's not going to play left guard this year. He'll probably No, play. he's starting center on the Yeah, that's what I mean. He's either, I was going to say center or right, right guard because I didn't have in front of me. But that's three guys who played almost two play double digits. Or actually three, so they'll be fine. Like, four guys have played almost ten games last year, I believe. Is that right? Or three guys. Three. One. I am, I can't read tonight. Four people played a lot. That's what I'll say. And um, what do you got next? I'm... Well, well Larson, had, Larson had seven <laughs> starts at three different positions. That's so what I was think, looking for. You know, I, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, that's why I figured he may not. He's not going to be a left guard, even though it might be his primary label position. He played wherever, which is a big deal. If he can play, say there are injury issues this year, he may have to go to go to one of the guard positions to rotate around to fit in one of the younger guys because that versatility is huge, and that's uh, what will help this engine run. See, I think if there's one question that is a little bit pressing to me when I when I looked further into the numbers because on the on the year I think if you just look at what they did as far as adjusted sack rate for instance you know Rippon had a sack rate around five percent Montel Cozart ended up around seven and a half percent both of those figures are pretty good but when you look at what they did on a game-by-game basis what I started to notice was that they struggled a little bit against really competitive front sevens Mm. and I had to kind of do a little bit of digging to find these numbers, but you know, Rippon last year had 23 attempts against Troy and you know, the Trojans ended up sacking Boise state quarterbacks four times in that game. You know, Wyoming managed three sacks and Rippon only had 19 attempts. And in the two games that they played against Fresno state at the end of the year, you know, Rippon had 62 dropbacks and the Bulldogs managed six sacks between those two games. And so while they did improve on the whole over the course of the year, I feel like to at least a little bit of, you know, of a degree that the the overall numbers are a little deceptive and I want to see them hold up a little bit better against, you know, elite pass rushes. And to their credit, you know, I think it helps to, to point out that they didn't give up any sacks against San Diego state, which I think made a huge difference in that game. And, you know, for as often as they had to throw the ball to come back against Colorado State, the Rams only managed two sacks, and I think they threw the ball almost 50 times in that game. So, you know, they did have some successes, but, you know, if they want to ensure that they don't, you know, fall victim to an upset or anything like that, some kind of unexpected, you know, offensive struggles, if they can do a little bit better job of keeping Ripon upright, I think that'll make Broncos fans feel a lot better in the long run. All right, Raj, do you have any last offensive line or offense thoughts overall before we move to the uh, vaunted defense? Uh, you know, I, I don't like saying anything negative about any of the players because I'm a fan at heart. Um, That's fine. I, I think uh, the starting right tackle, Andres Preciado, um, 
I, I just hope he's a senior this year. So, I mean, um, I think he's kind of the big question mark. But, I, you know, they, if, if, he, um, if he had a good spring and a good fall, I think that's going to be a difference maker. I think that's the one, one position on the line that I'm a little bit – a little bit worried about. Here's what you do. You stick Zachary Troughton, who's 6'6", 319, to push some guys over. Right. <laughs> Just do that. Put him in there. Like he, or you got Nick Crabtree, 6'7", 290. Jeez. Just yeah. do it. Come on. You're, just give, give a little push. You're good. Just come on. You can you can hand, do a handful of plays, right? <laughs> well, the one last thing since we're talking about this is um, I thought Dante Harrington would get the would get the nod at starting center. And on the depth chart, he's only listed at backup center. Um, he didn't really bounce around too much because last year he was a freshman. This year he was a sophomore. But maybe we'll see some more versatility from him. All right, let's go to defense where me and Matt overlooked Leighton Van Der Esch. Are we forgiven for that sin at the moment? <laughs> Um, Never. Yeah, I think you're you're forgiven. I think um, what yes. happened, and this is just a product of 2018 or 2017. You kind of were just teasing <laughs> Boise State a little bit, and um, you know, he Vanderish is a local kid, and um, mm-hmm. we're really proud of him. So, I, um, I think what it was like, he, well, he like for a lot of games. So we're not watching, well, at least not me, like watching specific games all the time. We'll blast a bunch of them. He made amazing plays all the time. We can't deny it, but it's like player of the year. It's like sometimes you want volume, but it's not like we'd give it to Frank right. Ginda, obviously, but sometimes like mm-hmm. it's one of those things where he, he stands out and makes plays. His numbers overall were still really good, but just not like amazingly good, I thought, at some points. But it's also part of who you're playing, the team you're on, and so that's probably where. But then when you see him, when you're basically watching the title game and he does all those things, so it's just it's a thing where it's, sometimes you – it's. The player of the year goes by the best numbers, but he made the biggest place half the time. So, I right, just move on because I don't want to mention that again. Now, on the Cowboys, I thoroughly enjoy. So, go do well with Dallas there. So, so defense, like they bring everybody back. Defensive line, great. Besides Van Der Esch, everybody's back. Defensive front. This defense, what do they bring back? Ten starters? Is that correct? I believe. Uh, well, technically nine because um, there are other weak side linebacker. I think the. Gabe Perez was considered a starter, even though he got injured midway through the season. But so it's nine or ten, depending on how you want to slot it. So let me ask you this right now: since Matt here, who's better, Fresno or Boise defense? Are you asking me or Roger? Eddie, go for it, Matt. You haven't spoken. Go for it, Matt. Minute. Go for it. Uh, He'll rebuttal. <laughs> that, that's how we'll do it. I mean, I, I look at just how many playmakers this defense has coming back at every level, you know, and. I just think, oh my God, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because and it, it's not, it's one thing just because, you know, you look at their numbers from last year and, you know, they were number one in the, in the conference as far as, you know, yards per play allowed on the ground. And they, you know, allowed roughly 55% of opponents' completion rate. And, you know, they were in the top three, I think, as far as quarterback rating is concerned. And then you realize Van Der Esch is the only guy they really have to replace. That's and, it, yeah. You know, you think of like how high this ceiling for this unit is going to be. And, you know, I actually had someone ask me earlier today about, you know, their overall havoc rate from last year. Because, you know, if you go to football study hall, you notice that they have it, you know, the overall havoc rate, but then they have it by units. And interestingly, I'm not sure how this worked out, but Boise State was dead last in linebacker havoc rate last year. Hmm. And this seems like a typo, but. You know, when you look at some of the other numbers and you realize like just how good this defense was, you know, even despite the occasional hiccup, how good they were all year long. You know, they were top 10 
as far as old, you know containing explosive plays they were you know well above average top 15 in op- in defensive opportunity rate so they weren't allowing very many big plays through the air or on the ground and i don't know i just don't know where you start talking about this defense because they've got playmakers pretty much everywhere i think i figure out why they were maybe not near the top because if you give the havoc rate um what it means total tackles for loss passes defended to force fumbles divided by total plays and so when you look at that position tfls weren't like weren't extremely high last is surprisingly but that's the only spot you could think about it because their tfls weren't amazing for that group they're good but it's it is odd so that's the only thing i can maybe think of when you say last man are you talking about last in conference or last in no last nationally Oh wow! It is, but just then, a, but uh, then yeah. it's like, but then you look at, you know, if you go to their their advanced profile on Football Study Hall and you look at like their situational defenses, you know, every you know every single quarter they were top fifty, at, and in three of those quarters they were top thirty, you know, by downs, first down, second down, third down, they were top forty every single time. So it almost makes me wonder, like, I wish they had a count of like how many one or two yard plays they allowed, because I feel like. You know, that's what the numbers are really trying to tell you about what this defense was able to accomplish last year. You know, even if they weren't making disruptive plays that show up on the stat sheet, you know, the fact that they still led the conference in in rushing defense and things like that, those numbers don't lie. Well, I mean, and that's specifically the linebacker group, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it was interesting too because like the defensive line wasn't that much better. They were 117th, but it was just one of those things. It's one of those weird quirks in the numbers, I think. Yeah, it might have been. I mean, overall they were a pretty good defense, so um, that's something to keep an eye on. I mean, I mean, you look at those numbers, and then like you look at, for instance, someone like well, we start talking about the defensive line. You talk about someone like Curtis Weaver, who led the conference in sacks last year. And so you think to yourself, okay, yeah, they're probably going to be fine. And Weaver isn't even the only guy they have that can rush the passer because Jabal Frazier came back. You know, he had you know six sacks last year. You know, and even though you know Van Der Esch was the only other guy that had more than I think more than two sacks, you know, they've still got you know a whole lot of depth who can probably step up and replace that. Whether it's Durant, Miles, or even the guys in the middle like David Moa. You know, if he can get back to where he was in 2016, you know, what are you gonna what are you gonna do? All right. Well, I want to talk about this defensive line. Okay. So really quickly, I want to, you know, let's take a little trip back in time to 2011. <laughs> Boise State had Billy Wynn, who was drafted by the Cleveland Browns, I think, in the fourth or fifth round. Shane McClellan was drafted in the first round and won a Super Bowl. Uh, Tyrone Crawford was drafted in the third round by the Cowboys, and Chase Baker played a couple years with the Vikings, I think, and um, Jarrell Root. Um, had a cup of coffee with um, you know the Miami Dolphins, and that was a magnificent defensive line. Obviously, I think this line might be as good as that. Might Ooh, be. That's pretty good praise. High praise. There. <laughs> so I think that, you know David Moa last year. He was banged up and he had um you know he had that legal situation. Not nothing to get all riled up or crazy. He made a mistake, and um you know I think Curtis. So he he's gonna play on Sundays for sure. Mm-hmm. And um the guy in the middle, Louis um. He, he's big. He's going to take up a body or two. And I think him and Mo are just going to wreak havoc in the middle. And Curtis Weaver, he, the sack number jumps out. He's not the starter. He's the backup. He's also the backup this year. He plays only on third downs because Jabril Frazier and Durant Miles are that good. So you have five guys who, are, I mean, 
I'm gonna have to defer to Matt because I don't follow the conference that at, like as thoroughly as, and I just kind of focus on Boise State. I gotta think that all five of these guys are in the top 20 like defensive linemen in the conference, maybe top 25. I mean, this line is gonna be really, really good. And when you got four guys like that around a healthy David Moa, that's not gonna be good for other quarterbacks in the Mountain West. No, you're right. Like, well, my one thing about that, if Weaver only plays third downs, find a spot, find a spot for him, right? If he, I know, maybe he does, he does. We know he does great in those situations, but if he's that good, you would, you would think maybe that'll change this year. I don't know. He, we know he's the backup on the depth chart, but get him on the field more often. If he's that good, why is he not in the field? And I know it's, I'm not I the think- coach, but it's just a, a thought. Like get him involved a little bit more somehow because if he's that productive on third down. Give him a few plays here or there. It just seems to me it makes sense to give him a few more reps out there to see what he can do. Maybe the like production per play may dip off a tiny bit, but he's good enough for that may not be that big a deal, but still be better than somebody else. I think the other I think the, the other two ends, um Jabril Frazier, who's the starting stud, mm-hmm. and um Durant Miles are both pretty good too. So um It's tough. Yeah, I mean you make a <laughs> but all five of those guys are really good. So are they that good, Matt, you think? I mean, I don't see any reason why not. Okay, just want your input. You, we were putting together a top fifty list. People were throwing a hissy fit over Jeffrey Allison, not the best linebacker, because he's what was he number eleven? Matt, is that correct? He was number eleven. Yes. At this point, can we say number nine? Because it's Logan Wilson of Wyoming. This will that'll be out before this comes out. So, mm-hmm. is he the is he our top linebacker? Is that correct? He, yes, he is. All right then. All right, let's but I mean, on. but I mean, there's a reason I think I'm without. I don't have a Google sheet in front of me, but I'm pretty sure we put more members of this defense than any other unit in the conference on our top fifty. Oh, it by far, yeah, we have. I would have had. It, I think I had it here, but there's a lot. So, people, it's whatever team you're on. Relax. Your just list will probably be so <laughs> so terrible by the season end. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. But still, check it out, please. <laughs> <laughs> we have like. Well, I don't want to give away too much of our list. We're getting close, but we have just in the top ten. I think there's what four Boise State guys. I think is that right? Maybe there are there are three. Spoiler three. alert. Oh, three. Yeah. Oh, I, I had Madison higher than most. So if you're wondering about, um, it's interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna sidetrack for half a second here. So for the first team in running back on my list, I have Lexington and Madison, but I voted Washington for some reason, and he's way down on my list. So it happens, right? Is that okay with you guys, Raj? Is that fine? Is that acceptable? No, I, I think it bounces out. Um, <laughs> it's hard. Know, if you're trying to create some, some controversy, then you know you're doing a good job. I'm playing both sides. That's what I'm doing here. Because I, I I've not uh-huh. revealed my vote, so I can do it later and say, see this list and that list. But let's move on real quick. Let's go to the DBs because we need to uh, wrap this part up here really quick before we get to part two. Well, can we just touch on the linebackers really quickly? Because oh um, yeah, Sandra I guess we should. Maybe off. maybe we should. Yeah, I thought we no go for it. I must have overlooked something. So who's gonna? Let me ask you that. Who's going to maybe take his spot, or is there going to be a guy that'll be maybe not playmaking ability, but like production wise? Who could be that guy? Well, the guy in the middle is coming back, Tyson Meve. And um, I think he was either, I think he made um, all conference second team. So, I mean, he's good in the middle. Um, they got Tony Lashley um, from Idaho, and he didn't do a lot in terms of. Um, is he, wait, is he allowed to be on the team for transferring from Idaho? Is that allowed? I think it was a graduate transfer. There was a lot of articles about that. I'm just saying. Um, they got guys that could play. They got um Blake Whitlock, Riley Wimpy, and Benton Wakersham, who played the last two years. He didn't redshirt. I'm I'm not sure why he wasn't even on the depth chart, but um he's really good. But I think the two guys to really look at is the are the nickel, um, you know, the Sam spot, the 
uh, Kikala Kahino and um, Desmond Williams, they both were both fighting again on the field. They both played really well. I, I think one of them will take like, a really big step up and get on the all-conference team. I don't know which one. That's just my kind of my production, not really prediction, not really based on anything objectively, but that's I think one of those two players will really have a big year this year. And if there's room, like same with the wide receiver group, look, look at all these true freshmen coming in or redshirt guys. They right. have plenty of depth. And they, Boise is basically the top recruiting class nearly year in and year out, particularly at the higher end where you get a four-star guy maybe every other year and a plenty of three-star guys. So they have plenty of guys. Again, like that new rule, which will be I think will be interesting to watch the first month or maybe the last month, depending on how they use it, to see if they'll get guys in when they play an FCS team or lower-level teams to – convince them a little bit oh don't transfer see how you can play against uh we know the team's not great but you get playing time because that's a big deal if you can play four games that's a pretty big deal and you could show okay i am good enough i could compare it to other guys so they have i think plenty of young guys on this roster that could play occasionally here or there just to figure it out but it'll be interesting how it works out so let's go to dbs um tyler horton's good i've heard of him i've heard of avery williams Kekala Kanio, I've heard. Is, he, is that am I saying that correctly? Is he good as well? I believe. Kekala Nawahini. <laughs> there we go. Because I'm terrible at names. Say it one more time so I can maybe get it down. Kekala Nawahini. Kekala Kanai. Jeez. Yeah, I heard a I heard a lot of Boise State fans <laughs> griping about other all conference teams that you know people were putting together, and the fact that Nawahini was not on those lists. And I'm totally on board with that because that guy is really good. Yeah, I mean, um, so all four of those starters, uh, I think Jeremy didn't mention DeAndre Pierce. Oh, sorry, I apologize, Mr. Pierce. (laughs) The son of Antonio Pierce, New York Giant. Um, All four of those guys made the conference team. Now there's a little asterisk with Avery Williams since he made as a special teamer, but I'm going to count it. Um, Still counts. No, he, no oh. he, it counts when he has. What did he have? Like, like, he had like returning kicks, couple interceptions, eight pass breakups. That definitely counts. Come on. Well, yeah, I didn't even know if he was going to play last year, and he went crazy. And um, I, you know, I don't really know very much about uh, Nawahini and Pearson. That is a terrific tandem, and they're both juniors. I'd like to think both of them are going to come back for another year after this. They're really good. I think Nawahini, in particular, I, I think he might be the best. When it's all said and done, he's going to be in the top two or three safeties in the Mountain West Conference. And I know there's a lot of good safeties, mm-hmm. so um, I, I agree with that gripe. He should be on all those lists, in my opinion. Yeah, we got hate or uh, for Marcus Epps from Wyoming. It's like, dang, there's a lot of good safeties. Somebody's going to be right. left off. <laughs> See, and I'll, I'll echo the point that Raja was making earlier about the 2011 defensive line. And I'm trying to think, like, could this be the best – Boise State secondary since fill in the blank, and I was trying to go back and I was trying to find a I was trying to find a a secondary that would stack up with them, or at least you know by the numbers. And I, and I came across 2012. And do you guys remember how absurdly good <laughs> the, the Boise State secondary was in 2012? Enlighten us. Let us know what happened. That was um, oh, shoot. Why can't the guy that um. The guy that got drafted by the Browns. Oh, go ahead. Um, They gave up four touchdowns all year long, and they had 18 interceptions. It's pretty good. That's that's um, quite good. Hey, hey, guess what, Matt? It wasn't as good for us, though. deep secondary that year, just so you know. Point that out. I I know that. I think think you might be referring to Jamar Taylor, by the way. Yeah, no, Jamar Taylor. It was Taylor. Four picks that year. 
No, I actually tweeted at him because I asked him, what are you going to do when you see Brock Osweiler? Because he housed him, I think, um, in Osweiler's last game, and he tweeted back to me. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, George Iloka is still in the league um, in the NFL. That was a really um, – uh, I don't know. I just kind of blanked out for some reason the the years in between Kellen Moore and Brian Harson right now. But um, uh, shoot, well, they um, like Jeremy Iona was back there. Darian Thompson, a lot of good guys playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you also yeah. you introduced Brock Osweiler incorrectly. Isn't like six foot ten Brock Osweiler the correct term? <laughs> yeah, six foot twelve. He just kind of handed the ball off to Jamar Taylor, and Taylor took it to the house, and that was that was pretty great. So is this going to be the best unit you think, and secondary wise? Because there's a lot of like Wyoming is pretty good. There's and Fresno should be pretty good as well. I think that will start and end with Tyler Horton because he has the ability to play on Sundays. He has the ability to be a second, maybe third round draft pick, and he just if he just stays healthy and consistent, I think he'll play to that level. And if you have a cornerback that can play at that level all year, it kind of obviously opens it up for the other three guys. And so I think it starts and ends with Tyler Horton, but definitely. Because I think Nawahini and DeAndre Pierce, maybe not Pierce, but Nawahini I think will find his way into the NFL. And that's just, those are four just really, really good players. Like, I don't just really know much about the backups because they just couldn't get on the field last year. Yeah, and it, and one thing good good thing about that, I guess, having the great starters and this great secondary, if you look at the conference, like me and Matt mentioned this all the time, a lot of different offenses. I know CSU will want to throw a lot. Um, I, they don't play, Boise doesn't play Hawaii again this year, do they? No, no they, they got San Diego, Fresno, Fresno State, and um, Nevada. Nevada. Well, look, play Nevada. That's a good example. I'll stay in Hawaii because they're doing the run and shoot. Yeah, Nevada, yeah, Boise smoked them last year quite easily, but that offense is going to pass a ton, and there's a lot of secondaries that are pretty good in the league, but as deep as this, if Nevada's going to somehow pull that off, it'll be very difficult, but they'll have opportunities. Like, Nevada's going to want to throw the ball downfield, and this is a team unit that'll – probably more often than not shut that down with how they go four five six deep that will be a challenge for them but i think they'll be up for it when they play like that team in assuming csu will throw throw a lot like last year so plus you got everybody back so what's the harm right you're gonna just crush everybody i think correct is that your prediction we'll get to it later but they're gonna be really good <laughs> all right i got we gotta wrap this up because i'm gonna hustle real quick i always overlook special teams if you've listened i sometimes go whatever but I do know Avery Williams is going to be pretty good. I did predict last year two games for Boise State. There'd be special teams turnaround that predicted or ended the game in their favor, and I was right. So we'll see if I can keep that. Yeah, going. and I wish I wish you hadn't done that. Why? Oh, sorry. <laughs> one, of the, one of them was the championship That's game. That's right. right. <laughs> and the other well, was, I think, hey, San Diego I, State game, I believe, too. No, Avery Williams. I was just going to say that. Avery Williams might have single-handedly won that San Diego State game. And I remember watching that because I think either Boise State was 2-2 two and two or 3-3-2 three or three and two at that point. And a lot of us, and I kind of in the back of my mind, I thought this might be, you know, when the hammer falls on us. And instead, it turned the whole year around. And it was really Avery Williams that went crazy that game. Wasn't it um, like a line drive punt return that he, like, fumbled? Not fumbled, but, like, just kind of bounced around to, like, the five-yard line or something? Yeah, yeah, and then he took it back. Something like that. <laughs> something weird. But yeah, he had two touchdowns last year. He he made for all-conference for a returner. Depending what San Diego State does to Washington, that there'll be those two guys most likely. Maybe what Wyoming has. That'll be you can return punts. You got kicks. Is uh is Williams gonna pull double duty? You think because with Wilson um, gone, Wolpen, he's not there no, anymore either. Mahoney's so. right now listed on the depth chart, but we'll see. The that's, backup running back Robert Mahoney's listed number one on the depth chart for kick return, and that's the only person they listed. So okay. obviously they got to put go. two on the field and have backups. So we'll see what happens. And you got the new rule change that may impact a little right. bit. So how much do you care about punting? 
I want to hear your punting takes here. <laughs> Quint Skillen is not on scholarship, but the rumor is that he might get um, Cam Thomas' scholarship. So that's that's the my hot take that um, I, I'm not – obviously, I'm not getting the inside buzz. I think I read that off like Dave Southern or one of the other beat writers. But um, they don't have a punter on scholarship. But Uh-oh. Quint Skillen last year, he did pretty well. Um, didn't make a conference team, but um, he might get a scholarship. So there's that. Yeah, I, thought, quite well. I thought I had seen the same thing. I thought that it actually happened already. Oh, okay. Well, so who's going to be their place kicker then? Is that like Boise brings like everybody back? So it's like three starters yeah. on both sides. It's like what are they going to do? Oh no! Officially, as of yesterday, he did get a scholarship. So he did yesterday. All right. Awesome. As of well, that would be Tuesday. It looks like. All right. Well, then I broke that news. <laughs> Let's just say we recorded this three days ago. We did. This is on August fourth, people. So future <laughs> whatever. whatever. <laughs> Congrat no, congratulations. Getting scholarship, that's a big deal. So good for him. Definitely. Oh, um Hayden Hogarth, he was um I think second team last year and Joe Velasquez is backup. He's got a big leg, so they should be fine at the kickers. Fifty seven PATs made. That's ridiculous. Sixteen of eighteen, two from forty plus. So hats off to you, right? Because I that's fifty I don't know, fifty seven, that just seems ridiculous. That's well, I guess when Boise scores every other possession, right? Well, yeah, they put up a lot of points and when you have when you come back on Colorado State and go into overtime and Ooh. just pummel into Ooh. submission, there it that's is. a lot of extra points in that game. Twist a knife. Deserving the slow. You're down 28-3, come back, win in overtime. That's all that matters, right? Yeah, and I know you got to bounce, and we'll talk about the games tomorrow, but listening to you talk about how Colorado State blew their best chance, that was just music <laughs> to my ears. I rewinded that and played that a few times. I mean, that that was my favorite podcast to listen they, to. Last. They had the chance. Like, they were my team last year to predict go far, and they had opportunities but didn't deliver versus Colorado and then Boise State. So what are you going to do, right? You, gotta, you have your chances. You can't blow it. All right. So I think, um, Matt, you're going to be skipping tomorrow, So, but we'll hear you next on the – Fresno State podcast, but a little teaser for tomorrow when me and Jeremy do the um, Part two? previews. A little, little, a little teaser, a little preview. I think the worst case scenario for Boise State is ten and two, and the best case scenario is twelve and zero. And I'm going to pick a number between that. So, oh boy! All right, so out. all right, excellent. So we'll take a quick break for everybody here listening. It'll be like sixty seconds, but for us, it'll be the next day. So yeah, stay tuned for the record, and uh, we'll see you next time. For, or I guess um, just hang out for sixty seconds, folks. We'll be back. Glad you enjoyed that 60-second break for some of you. For us, others, a little bit longer than that. We are now joined by, well, I guess we're subtracting one person. Matt Kennerly had to, we recorded half the podcast, as you know. He, I think he's in San Francisco today, if his Twitter is accurate. But we still have uh, Raj Prabala with us. So you and me, breaking down the schedule. You ready for this? Yep, let's do it. Before we get to that, we're actually doing news a little bit because we're not recording these months ahead of time. So... Oregon and Boise State, three-game series for 2024 through 2026. Pretty big deal. It's a two-for-one. You're okay with that. But I think what's your biggest, what you told me, 800K, right? Game number three, get the payday. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't, I don't, don't want to look at it as a two-for-one because I look at it as a home-and-a-home and a road game for 800000 Because, you know, getting a home-and-home home versus a big-time non-Washington State Power 5 team, it's not <laughs> easy. So, especially with – um. With, um, I think it's the Pac-12, the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, they got that Power 5 requirement, and Boise State doesn't qualify for some reason for any of those conferences. So Army I does. Get it. I could pick and choose an American team if I want to, so that's how that works out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that I, was I, funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm good with it. Um, 
and you know Kurt Apsey, good job by him. I mean, I'm not sure what type of connection he's got going on with Oregon, but we have that home and home in basketball this year, and now that's we right. have. Oh yeah, that is a, that's interesting too. Like in season home and home. I think part of it didn't the Pac-12 change their scheduling guidelines like the West Coast did a little bit. I want to say I, I think they made some adjustment where fewer conference games or something to like boost RPI or something. But yeah, the rare home and home hoops. So we'll have Oregon. We'll be playing Boise State at least five times over the next what eight years in a variety. Well, of yeah, sports. I mean it's going to be kind of fun because the worst case scenario is um, Boise State will be three and three with Oregon. Yeah, oh. last year should have been like a hundred to zero, but that's neither here nor there by going for the pick sixes. Right, so. and you know, lastly about Oregon, there's no telling where Oregon will be. I don't think um, Cristobal is that good of a head coach. I doubt he'll be the coach in 2024. And maybe Oregon will just be a middle-of-the-road Pac-12 team by then. Actually, you could make the argument that they're a yeah. middle-of-the-road Pac-12 team now. Yeah, if you go to Vegas Bowl, you're what? At, at best, 8-4. and four. And that's if right. you get a playoff and a New Year's Six team. So right. it's uh, they're slightly above average, I would say. But look at 2024 super quick. Since we're on it, they already have their non-conference slate filled out. At Georgia Southern, Houston, at Oregon, home to Cincinnati. That's not bad. No, they they um, I think the let me bring that up really quickly. I think they had two years in a row. What's the year with um, um, Portland State? That let's see, that's twenty nineteen. Is Portland State? Okay, yeah. And so I know they had to. It. They do. You know, with the the game against Ole Miss and stuff like that, they they had holes in the schedule. I think twenty twenty is also the year that um, they're going to Hawaii. So they could theoretically add another two-for-one where they add the road game in 2020 and then add, you know, a home-and-home down the line somewhere. Yeah, the 2020, they got the four games. Georgia Southern again, Florida State. Yep. Crossing my fingers in Boise still. It's still a go. (laughs) Well, you know, I would just – before you jumped on, I was trying to find a buyout number for that Florida State game, and I couldn't find it. It's just a little unnerving because Florida State changed their home game to Jacksonville, Florida, and they're calling it a neutral site game. So that's mm. it's a little unnerving, but um, you know, right now they're on the schedule, so we'll see what happens. As of today. So or let's get to the actual schedule this year. So you pointed out before the show, because you've been going back and listening to every podcast, as everybody should. So you know where to find us, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you can buy good podcasts for free, we're there. So you you pointed out, because I've been keeping track this year, every exact game I'm picking, just so I don't have any weird holes where I pick, hey, you picked Hawaii to win and lose against San Jose State or something for the various shows. Right, right. Second up to um, <laughs> the listeners by having you know yeah. Utah State going 12-0 and in their podcast and then Boise State going 12-0 and in their podcast as well. Impossible. However... Me and Matt did mention Utah State. Every game on that schedule is win. Well, outside of Michigan State, sorry. Every conference game is winnable, but they're probably not going to win them all. Well, I, there was a couple of podcasts I was listening to where, like Nevada, I was kind of just like kind of spacing out um, when you weren't talking about Boise State, which <laughs> I think you would kind of expect. And like in the end, you guys were talking about like how they could win eight or nine games, and like you guys were debating. You guys were legitimately having a yeah. debate on. Who they could beat between San Diego State, Fresno State, or Boise State? It, it, well, it's true because here's why. Well, we don't have you on too often, so we'll get to that. I am extremely optimistic Nevada could do something crazy special, which could be like eight wins, maybe. Like if I'm like we, when we we do our big preview, big picture show, like 
a dark horse team. I've been saying it forever. I like Nevada because of what they can do offensively. If you can score 50 points, which they're capable of doing, 40-plus points, they can beat a lot of good teams. So, yeah, I have them at eight wins, eight and four. But, again, it's Fresno, Boise, Aztecs are all losses, and I have them on the road at Toledo, a loss. So it's eight and four. That might be higher because they go to Vanderbilt, which, eh, whatever. Going to Hawaii, they're never – it's tough. At UNLV is interesting because Rebels – Armani Rogers says the bowl game's happening, so he said it. Well, but... okay. Well, I, I'll make the counterpoint. So, okay, let's Go say eight it. four is let's let's just say for the sake of the argument that that's chalk eight and four for them. You're saying that they have a chance to go nine and three by getting one of those four upsets. They also have a chance of going seven and five by dropping a game mm-hmm. that they should win. They're not going to be some massive favorite over no. you know going UNLV or um, you know Vanderbilt for sure. They're not going to be a massive favorite. Mm-hmm. No, but what I'm saying is the way their offense goes, they I'd give them a chance in almost any game. Well, right, but that, some that, team could just open up the floodgates on their defense. That's my point. It could be like the CSU game or Air Force game where they lose like 45-42. I'm just saying, right. like, if I'm picking a dark horse team, they're I think the most likely to do something because what he, like when we met me and Matt did the San Diego State preview, if the Aztecs get behind seventeen to three, twenty one to three, twenty one zero, are they going to be able to come back? That's my point. Like if yeah. it's like I know it's the Boise show, but like when they play Nevada and San Diego State, if Nevada rolls off seventeen straight points really quick, seventeen zero, I don't know if Aztecs can keep up with that. Yep. I okay. I'm gonna before I get more to this argument, I'm gonna reset and apologize to the Boise State fans <laughs> listening right now because Careful. I'm supposed to be playing the role of a homer and we're sitting around debating the Nevada Wolfpack. It's so. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that, you get my point. There, there's potential no, no, for something. No, you guys are right. Yeah, I mean, I, I the last thing about Nevada, I think they're going to go seven and five, which isn't. That's better than it's better than most people are saying. Bowl, yeah. Most people aren't saying a bowl game. I, it's. I think they'll. I think people are going to underestimate them. That's all I'm saying. So, because like they play a crappy Oregon State team, Vanderbilt's nothing special. They could be like. Honestly, they could be 5-0 and going to that Fresno State game. Because Portland State, they should win. At Vanderbilt, I could see that being a win. Oregon State, a win. At Toledo, maybe. At Air Force, possibly. So it's like, it's not out of the question, but we'll see. But I, I still think a bowl game, like, for me, they, that should be not no questions. But I'm not going to be shocked. Other people will. If they go to a bowl game, I'm like, yeah, that's expected. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they went to a bowl game. I, I don't think I'd be shocked if they won nine games. Oh, so would I. I just, yeah, I was just being, we're just kind of debating. Like, if they could get one, because all three of those games are at home Boise, Fresno, and San Diego State. So, and you know how the goalposts are, right? Are they, yeah. are they regulation yet? <laughs> Weren't you guys, um, I was, um, yeah, I was getting a little bit heated. I think, um, uh, Matt brought it up. He said that Nevada has like the biggest win differential prediction at home or something crazy. They have like I read somewhere like how are they figure out home field advantage? They have like one of the top tens of the country for home field advantage, which is it's odd. All, all I've noticed in games they have the soccer stripes and streamers are on the field like uh, some MLS game. All I know is I hate Reno. When I used to make the drive from Boise to the Bay Area, I would plan my gas so I didn't have to give them a dime of my money to boost their economy anyway. So that's, um, that's tricky. I made that drive two weeks ago. It's hard not. To yeah, you, you got to stop because I count Sparks as part of Nevada. So you well, gotta, um, yeah, you gotta stop quite a bit of ways. Oh man, that's that's risky. You gotta have an extra can of five gallon. Right? No, you 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 plan for it right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the Boise games here because that's what we're here for. So. They go to Troy. Like, their schedules, it's pretty good. Like, at Troy, Troy, Sunbelt, what, nine, ten wins almost guaranteed. That, it's on the road. And we've discussed, um, I don't think me and Matt just discussed Troy at all, but 
this is one of the outside of Oklahoma State. It's the and Fresno State, like the third toughest game on their schedule. So, so what do you th- what are your thoughts on Troy? Because we all know what Troy's done the Sun Belts. It's on the road. Last year was more of a blowout than people thought. I'm thinking should be fine, right? Yeah, I'm going to say that Troy is the fourth toughest game on the schedule. And so I don't think it's a game that you could sleep on. But Boise State has, under Harson has done pretty well to open up the year. And um, I think they'll be all right. They got a new quarter. Troy's got a new quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I know that their defense is kind of depleted. If they wanted to get us, you know, it would have been nice for Troy to have last year's game at home. And I know a lot of people, a lot of their fans thought that they would beat Boise State, like legitimately beat Boise State last year. And, um, you know, it was a Colorado State situation. Last year was a much, much better chance for them, and um, I don't think they're as good as a team this year, and I think Boise State is a better team this year, so I, I don't think Troy's going to win. Well, yeah, Brandon Silvers is gone. Their top, three of their top four running backs are gone. Like I said, they defense, they lose most of their defensive line. They lose a couple linebackers. It's like last year, if they were going to win, it would, they had a much better team. So, But again, Troy always has good talent, but it's Boise should win. I don't think a line's set for this game, but I think I don't think it's set yet. But I've seen ten points on my ESPN app. Okay, ESPN. Do ten you, points ish. Do you like um, the football power index? Do you just subscribe by that? Um, you know, I just kind of use it as a guide right now. Um, it's kind of I think it, it's a lot better once you start getting going like you know how like if you just kind of like sit back and look like how are they making like a projection for like boise state at air force on october 27th exactly uh i'm looking at vegas insider 10 and a half point favorite for boise on the road i mean i would just if i was a some degenerate gambler uh, you know i'd probably say take boise but you know probably want to stay away it's opening game of the year on the road um and Troy's pretty good too, so. And Troy's Troy's pretty good. They got good talent. I think one thing that's interesting, shoot, and I wish I could give the person credit. Um, someone on Twitter was saying how um, when Boise State played at Louisiana Lafayette, they played during the daytime because of the climate. Oh, difference. I saw that too. Yeah. Um, I forgot who tweeted that out, but um, this game's at six p.m. I think. Oh, six p.m. Mountain, so that'd be seven p.m. wherever Troy's at. Um, Might be eight. Is Troy Eastern time? Uh, who knows? <laughs> we'll find out. But oh, no, it's your four mountains, so it's actually it's uh, it's Central Time, yeah. So it it's Central Time. Okay, so I don't know. I I don't think the climate would make a huge difference. I thought that was kind of an interesting nugget. No, I think Boise State will win that game. Yeah, I get the weather. Take any advantage you have, which is fine. Your sure. humidity, your but here's a couple things too. Yeah, it's humidity and hotter during the day in the south. But then again, how, how much does it counteract when you're practicing it? 5,000, 4,000 feet, 5,000 feet above sea level. Sure. So it's like, it's, uh, it's tough, but it's, it's probably TV reasons because why it's at the time it's at and not during the middle of the day. So, but I, I say Boise should win. I wouldn't be honest. I wouldn't be overly shocked if Troy wins, but I don't see it happening. I would be a little bit shocked. I just think, um, you know, new quarterback, just Troy's losing some players. I think Boise state, you know, we talked about this yesterday. They're just, you know, outside of figuring out who's going to break through at the wide receiver group, I think Boise State is just such a loaded team this year. So I think Boise State, I feel pretty good about that victory. Yeah, I feel good. Yeah, it, it, It's also going to be one of the sneaky good games of the weekend as well, that first that first Saturday. Or I guess, excuse me, I'm not going to fall into the ESPN trap. It's week it's the second week of games, even though it's week <laughs> one. Because <laughs> we've got plenty of games. So next week, um, they come home to UConn. And are we going to discuss UConn or are we going to discuss the podcast? Me and uh, Daniel Connolly did about, geez, two months ago. 
I want to discuss the podcast. So <laughs> to give everyone a background, before uh, when Jeremy's all like, hey, do you want to jump on with me and Matt for the Boise State podcast? I said, sure. So I was catching up on all the podcasts. I went through all the previews. And then the last one I listened to was the UConn versus Boise State <laughs> preview. And it's a fun, good podcast. But if you go by topics in that podcast, I think the most talked about topic was macaroni versus ham. Mac and the cheese second, boy. <laughs> the second most talked about topic was UConn women's basketball. And then then I guess it was a toss-up between conflict trophy and Nevada basketball and um, well, part of it Randy was, Etzel versus um, Bob Diaco. But um, part, of it was, just, well, part, of, part of it was Daniel used to do Nevada stuff for us as well. So that's part of the reason those things came okay. up too. So. But it, it's it is it's a fun pod. It's like if you listen sure. to the Wisconsin show, if you haven't, when I talked with Jake Kokorowski, Wisconsin plays New Mexico and Madison. Lobos aren't going to win. Like in this case, no. UConn, they're not going to win. So talk stuff around. I know the UConn one was way out there, but the Wisconsin one, it's a road game. Talk about how to tailgate, what to eat. We ask him what a barbecue is. Sure, let me no, ask you, it was, it was let me fun. ask you because I asked Jake a while ago. What's what do you consider a barbecue? Like what do I consider barbecue food? Like if you have, if you have a barbecue at your house, like Fourth of July or Memorial Day or something, what do you what's uh, like like a cookout, what, grilling? What do you what what's your what do you what do you think that is? Uh, well, I'd say burgers. I mean, I think that's the standard. Like if you have burgers, then you know it's at least gonna be decent. I don't like frozen wings. I see a lot of people do that, and you know that kind of just rubs me the wrong way. And um, you know if you got if you got ribs. You know, or pulled pork. Okay. Now we're talking. That's a barbecue. Okay. When people say barbecue, burgers, hot dogs, I'm like, no, that's like a cookout. Right. It's not a barbecue. Right. That's, you know, that's a situation where, like, well, you know, if you got lettuce and tomatoes, that's pretty good to put on your burgers. And, <laughs> you know, something better than just dogs and buns. You know, that's, that's just a, hey, let's go grab the grill and just go and make some food somewhere. Good. I'm glad you mentioned, like, ribs and other things like that. All right. So this is a big topic of the podcast as well because we'll go off topic. What's your ham take? Sure. We need to know about ham. I, I agree completely with you. Yes! I, Victory! I would not. In fact, I'm actually more anti-ham than you. I would not go and get ham at a sandwich shop. I usually go roast beef. But oh, for Christmas me, yes. or Thanksgiving, yeah. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to be like a no-ham guy. I'll eat. I'll take a piece of ham and, you know, I might make a little oh, sandwich I... the next day. But other than that, that's the only two times where I would be voluntarily looking forward to ham. You look forward to it or you mean you just have to ha- endure <laughs> no, I mean, a good ham, I guess, for Christmas is all right. But I don't, I don't think there is good ham. That's my argument. <laughs> I felt like if I go to Jimmy John's or something, yeah, if there's ham mixed in, that's fine. I may have, but the be- oh, I guess I'll give credit to one person. They made like a pineapple glazed ham. That was yeah. pretty, that's pretty good. But I'm not, it's, it's just, it's just there. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's okay. It's nothing great. You you can't make it good. How do you make it good? There's no sauce you can add to it besides like maybe a glaze. It's not like if you have a steak or a chicken or wings or anything else where you can, or some sort of broth or sausage. You can't add I, anything to it, really. That's all I'm saying. So, I think you are making a good point because like, like when I'm thinking about ham, I'm thinking about like a plate of food. I'm thinking about like the potatoes, the cranberries, <laughs> and like the ham there. So I like taking a bite of each. But you're right. Like if, if someone just gave me a plate with like two nice pieces <laughs> of ham, that, that's not an enjoyable meal. <laughs> exactly. For finally – Finally, get get some some of the sense here. <laughs> but okay, for as for UConn, so seriously, they um. So what do they? So it's a uh, UConn's not very good. Ninety. Okay, this percentage on uh, S and P plus. This is like FCS percentage wise. Ninety four percent chance of Boise State wins. Is that too low? 
<laughs> I mean, the way I look at this is like most games should be in the 40 to 60 range, right? That'd mean for a good most game. Most college football games should be in that 40 to 60 range. You know, if you're talking about kind of a, a disparity, maybe 30 to 70. And I'm looking at FPI, it's 97.3. That's, oh. <laughs> that's, that's silly. That's a silly number. It is, and they have a uh, well. They do have their buddy um, Randy Etzel back for year two, technically, I guess, or he's doing something coming back. Uh, they're just they don't like. I've seen them. I've seen UConn play enough. Whether it be they played Boise before when I when I covered BYU for other jobs, I had to watch them, and those games were just brutal to watch. They just don't have anything that makes you, like they're going to be great. I know Etzel can be pretty good defense, and and here's the thing too: UConn loses their starting quarterback from last year. Um, they, I guess the one good thing is a decent running back, like Kevin Mensah is back. All the receivers are back, but they lose, lose like their whole offensive line, just about. And so it's, and and also here's what doesn't help either. Um, can I predict Alexander Madison to have maybe 224 yards? Because the defensive <laughs> line is gone, the linebackers are gone as well. So just hand the ball off to him every single time. Well, I don't want to disrespect UConn too much, but this might be a situation like um, I remember when like um, my dad came to visit. I took him to a game, and I was pretty excited. The problem was that we were playing UC Davis, and we yeah. pulled all of our starters in the second quarter because I forgot who we were playing the next week. And this might be a UC Davis situation where you're sure. playing Oklahoma State the next week. Do you how much of the playbook do you want to show? And I hate disrespecting an FBS team like that, but. <laughs> I don't I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. That might be a great opportunity after the game in Troy to kind of figure out who's a second running back because again is Mahoney gonna lock it down or is you know one of the two freshmen gonna step up? So could Madison get two hundred yards? Yeah, definitely. Will he? Probably not. Well, I mean, if he has one rush of like eighty yards, he, he might, but barring stuff like that, probably not. No, it's no he'll have big that should be like that should be a fairly simple game. And the big game Oklahoma State on the road in Stillwater. Oklahoma State's supposed to be okay, which it's fine. Like this is a good matchup for them to play when the, to before they face like San Diego State or Fresno. You know what I mean, it's like those type of teams. Because here's the interesting part, which will be fun if Drew Brown gets a starting job for Oklahoma State, right. the former Hawaii quarterback who is he was quite good. He just figures like. I'm not sticking out this garbage and why whatever's going on. I'm moving on because I don't want to learn a new offense, run and shoot. So we know what we do know about what Mike Gundy does. It'll be a lot of passing. It'll be wide open. It'll be similar to playing, I guess, in the Mountain West, like when they play Nevada or CSU without a running game, though, obviously. Don't want to throw a lot. And besides, and they'll have, have better athletes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, better athletes out there, too, as well. Uh, they won't have a good – I don't think they'll have a great running attack, but – Boise is the underdog in this game. That's a little shocking because Oklahoma State's predicted, what, seven, eight games? Fifth in the Big 12. And the Big 12 is pretty deep with TCU, Oklahoma, whatever you think of Texas because they're somehow ranked because they got that burnt orange. Sure. On side. And, they, and they were really good in the 70s and 80s. Can't forget it, about that. Um, I was uh, Vince Young. I, I appreciate what he did in the Rose Bowl, 2000. Sure. Not too bad. At least once or twice. Right. Um, as well, maybe not known fact, uh, me, a fairly large University of Texas fan years ago. So there you go. Well, you spent some time down there, didn't I you? I lived in Houston for 18, 19 years. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I was – so I know these aren't the two best ranking mechanisms, but Athlon has Oklahoma State as the 34th best team and FPI has them as the 20th best team. Mm. So that's kind of a big discrepancy. Um, 
Here's the thing that really concerns me about this game is Oklahoma State is basically just having two scrimmages before they play Boise State. They're playing uh, Missouri State, the Missouri State Bears, if you want to know what their mascot is. Oh, boy. And um, I guess South Alabama. South Alabama is a you – know, um, they got San Diego State two years in a row, didn't they? they? Yes, they do. USA. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you want to completely sleep on them, but I'm <laughs> – Okay, the matchup predictor on um, ESPN's FPI on for that game is ninety eight point six. Um, South wait, Alabama versus. Oklahoma oh, State. I thought you were gonna say oh, boys. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. <laughs> no, no. So, um, so that's not worry. They're gonna be at home. They're gonna have basically two scrimmages to figure out who Mason Rudolph's um, um, replacement's gonna be. Mm-hmm. So th- that's the thing that concerns me. Um, I think I think if you just put both these teams on a neutral site, it's a toss up. And you got the game in Oklahoma State, and uh, so I, it's going to be a tough game. I, I think that if there was a if there was a line, would you would you say like five point five would be a line that you would set if someone said that you had to set a line for this game right now? Yeah, that's about right. I think that actually might be what the line is. But a couple things, I shouldn't disrespect the running game because um, Justice Hill did have fourteen hundred and sixty-seven yards and fifteen touchdowns. However. Passing game, like I said, Rudolph's gone. James Washington, he's somewhere in the NFL. There's Marcel Aitman. They lose. That's 2,600 yards. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, the uh, Cedric Wilson, he had 1,500 yards compared to Boise State's other right. 2,000. So you're losing basically over 50% of your passing attack just from your receiver's standpoint. And Boise's secondary with Tyler Horton, everybody else they have who's going to be just hovering in that secondary position. Are they going to be able to throw? Even though the um, – I was going to say Aggies there. Sorry. Um, Sooners – or not Sooners. Jeez. Uh, Cowboys. There we go. I'll get it right one of these days. Uh, but, but, like, they go deep. But, like, I know they have the two scrim- – like, not scrimmages, but lesser opponents. They should win quite easily. How well are they going to be going to actually face a team that's going to – because there's a point in saying, oh, I'm playing an easier team to get guys in the groove. And yes, sure. South Alabama is a little bit better, but they're still not great. They they may do a few plays here or there, put a little thorn in their side, but then they take a huge jump to Boise. Could be a top 20 team at that time if they win their games, which would seem likely for beating UConn and a pretty good Troy team. And just other teams losing, they'll be top 20 team. And it'll be like, it's a huge jump from those two teams to Boise. So it's, it is a gradual build, but it's a pretty big jump from South Alabama to the Broncos. Like, I know they'll be ready, but... It's just a different type of team you're playing. And if they lose all that passing attack, they lose most of their offensive line. They have some decent guys coming back who they have um, one all-Big 12 guy from last year. They have some depth that played depth that played there. But they lose so much on their what their bread and butter is is passing and receiving. I don't know how they can make that up by, by the time they play Boise State or be comfortable enough with like some new QB, new receivers as well at the top. And they lose a couple defenders too. And their defense is never known to be great. Here is why I'm going to pick Boise State in this game. I think Boise State's going to just come out on fire and get ahead. And then Oklahoma State's going to be left with a quarterback who might have had a few real snaps underneath his belt. But he's going to have to try to win a game. And he's I, he's probably not going to be a tremendous quarterback. And he's probably going to throw some picks because Boise State had, does have a great defensive line that's going to pressure him. And they got some pretty good players in the secondary. So I think if Boise State comes out and just punches them in the mouth and can – come out and can take a 10-point lead in the first or second quarter, I think Oklahoma State's going to be in a lot of trouble because they probably will end up turning over the ball once or twice. And if Masson is in his game and in his groove and can control that clock a little bit, I think Boise State could win this game by about 
you know, one of those games where Boise State's up by 10, 12 points and Oklahoma State brings it to a one-score game but runs out of time. So I, I, I can see that. Who's likely to be the quarterback? Like, Drew Brown came in early. I'm going right. to guess, when you look at... Um, and think... so the other one is the incoming freshman? Well, this is the fifth-year senior. He's been Mason Rudolph's oh, backup. Right, right. So I was, I was looking really quick what they said in media days. That's a Taylor Cornelius. But, yeah, Taylor Cornelius. but he only threw 10 passes last year. So it's like, yeah, he's the backup. He knows the system, but I don't know who'll be quarterback. I think Boise can do it, but this will be again like one of the, I think one of the better games. There could be a, this could be like the Washington State game last year. Oh, well, I guess the final score I should say because that game, the first three quarters, or what was like twenty-one-seven, pretty low scoring for who was on the field. I think this game can end up being like first to forty, almost wins thirty-five points because of how these two teams play. I'm taking Boise State because. They'll have played a, de- a pretty good team at Troy, UConn, whatever. But I just think, like I said, the f- again, think of the opposite that Oklahoma State has. They have a Brett Ripon who's basically a four-year starter. They have a solid running back. Defense is loaded with everybody back. We mentioned the coaching staffs all together. It'll be a close one, but I think Boise will pull it off. You know, I think there's – there's a, there's a I think both extremes are also on the table. I think Boise State, if they just get going and they win big time – that and Boise State's going to the bye week three and zero. UCF plays Florida Atlantic, so maybe UCF gets knocked off at that point. Um, that could be a lot of buzz for Boise State. That could be a crazy amount of hype building up for Boise State if they can win big. And on the flip side, if Oklahoma State wins this game, that's gonna it's two weeks for you know you know all the Boise State fans to remind Brian Harson that Chris Pearson went fifty and three over a four year stretch. <sighs> Here's the thing, too. If they lose this game, we've known historically it's not going to ruin any big no. money bowl chances. Because if you look at the other teams in contention, like I was part of the underdogs poll, like a few people had Florida Atlantic, high UCF. Florida Atlantic plays Oklahoma, Air Force, and UCF. So it's like, come on, they're, are they really they're not going to win all those games? And they, they play in CUSA, um, yeah, CUSA. They moved up. So it's like, if Boise loses Oklahoma State, not a big deal. They still have a chance to play a potentially ranked Aztecs and Bulldogs team and beat them. And all you can do is win, win conference, and you're good to go. Essentially, you're going to be in that conversation regardless. But UCF plays like they play FAU. Maybe like like seriously, FAU loses Oklahoma. Likely, UC, FAU beats UCF. They're almost knocked out because who? What? What? what law? It's like I know we're super early and it's dumb to project this, but if you look who you're losing to, Oklahoma State, who yeah, eight four in the Big Twelve. Or they lose to like an FAU team, or you, you know what I mean? Those losses, and FAU can't make it up by losing Oklahoma. So it's like they don't have the schedule beyond that. UCF should be pretty good, but they don't have the schedule beyond that to build that back up. I don't think they'd get ahead of Boise State. So I, I, I don't think FAU is a factor. I think that's one of those situations. This is here's a take if you want one. I think Boise State has a ten percent chance to go to a, uh, a New Year's Six game. If they go ten and two and win the champion Mountain West Championship, well, they they lost two games and went played Arizona in twenty fourteen. Yeah, they lost two games this last year, and it had if Memphis beat UCF, mm-hmm. they would have gone to they would have played Auburn. So yeah, it's possible, and so yeah, it's a, there's a decent chance. But I think FAU being a bit overrated, even though they have a lot of t- talent back, I just they're not going to beat Oklahoma, so it doesn't. No, matter. no, they're not. Well, it, same thing could go for them. It, they. They need to beat Oklahoma more than Boise State needs to beat Oklahoma State to get right. To okay, points. yeah, you're, you're right about that. So they could still lose Oklahoma and not be shut out, but they're already it's going to be pushing out of the picture. So that's that's my point. So I, I go for a victory there, Oklahoma State versus Boise State. Broncos got the win. So next one we have 
at Wyoming, the return of the safety dance in War Memorial Stadium. I still that, that gift is the best in the world. I'll never stop using it ever. It's for any situation. Also, speaking of Wyoming, um, Josh Allen's in action tonight. We have vin- vintage Josh Allen, if you know what that means. P- people, what I mean, just sitting on the bench and chucking the ball eighty yards from his knees. No, during this podcast, Ian Warren tweeted out, "I I go vintage Josh Allen because he takes 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 under center, rolls back, rolls back, turns his back to the field." Keeps going, turns the sideline, sack. <laughs> okay, I was gonna tweet this out. It's in one of my drafts. I didn't send it out because, I, I don't know. I kind of felt it was maybe too much of a troll job. But if if I'm a Boise State fan, am I happy that Josh Allen is gone, or am I <laughs> not happy? Um, because when I kind of felt well, like last year, they kind of depended on Josh Allen too much instead of Craig Bull's offense and using the rest of their athletes. Because Wyoming, for Bean and Laramie, they don't do a terrible job recruiting. No, they look at their defense, man. Look at that. Come yeah, on. definitely their defense. It's. It, I remember two years ago when everybody's a freshman, it was just like the worst defense in the world, and it literally was the worst worst defense in the world. <laughs> and now they've. And I always make the argument when I talk about returning talent. And they've proved me wrong a little bit, but I'll say it no matter what because I think it makes good sense. I don't care if you have every single player back on your team. If you were bad the year before, you got to show me before you're going to get. I'm not just going to give you the benefit of that. You'll be 10% better, 30% better. And I've always said that for any team when you lose, the, if you have a lot of talent back, but if you're sucky, great, you're back. There is advantage to that. They've proved to, okay, they keep coming back and back, which you know they'll eventually get better. But you got to see it until it happens, and they've proved everybody that after that one year by taking the lumps, they're really good. And Logan Wilson, good. They have Carl Granderson. They have the one guy I can't pronounce on the defensive line. Um, was he Gaffon? Uh, Gaffon. Yeah, right. There you go, Gaffon. Yeah, close. People know I, I don't get names right, so come on. <laughs> but like they, their defense. This is going to be a game where, like, you, let's go back to Josh Allen. I made somebody got really pissy at me. I think of some. Cameron Worrell, I think, out in Fresno. He does some whatever. He does some stuff out there. He's a <laughs> decent buddy in the site for comments and stuff. But I mentioned, like, are they going to be better without Josh Allen? And he kind of poo-pooed the argument. But I'm like, how can you not say they'll be better without him? Because look how terrible they were last year on offense. It wasn't oh, all. Right. It wasn't all. That's what you're saying too. It wasn't all on him. But it's not like he was making them better. Well, and and his game is kind of becoming extinct, especially at the college level. Like, you know, him to just drop back and look for a wide receiver if he doesn't have those talented players. And, you know, which is kind of weird because I kind of thought Josh Allen didn't really speak out, but the the running, uh, the people that were pro-Josh Allen kept on saying he was just tossing to guys just off the street that were just running around out there. And um, I didn't think their wide receivers were that terrible. Um, who They got a guy named Conway, right? Who's pretty he, decent. He was um, hurt for part of the year, but also... I will say this. If that's the case and people bring that up, I always say, yes, there were drop passes. But I will also say when he had Brian Hill, um, Hollister, who's with the Patriots, um, I'm forgetting, Tanner Gentry, these guys in the NFL, his completion percentage was actually less by like very minuscule, like 0.2%. But it was less with that NFL talent around him, including an offensive lineman who's with the Redskins right now. So that argument, I'm like, no, that doesn't fly because he should have been so much better the year before with all this talent around him, and he wasn't. Here, here's what's going to – and then the thing is in between Oklahoma State and Wyoming is a bye week. So Wyoming have, will have this game at home, but Boise State will be coming out for the bye. So, I mean, if you want to call that as a wash, I think a bye week is more valuable than having a game at home. I, I just don't think 
Wyoming will have enough offense. I think best case scenario for the Cowboys is like a 24-17, just kind of like a grind-out game where, you know, Boise State's kneeling the ball out. But I think it could be a lot worse for the Cowboys. I do too. Like, it's going to be between uh, – they sent out a release the other day, Nick Smith and – is it Vanderwall, I believe? I've said that in front of me. But they're still battling it out. They're running a little better because they have a couple guys back who have been out for injuries. But I just – Here's the thing: it's hard to be worse on offense. Like they were at the bottom, and ton of, and that's not a slight. It may sound like a slight, but they couldn't run the ball last year. They had injuries at tight end, got receiver Conway, Curtis Conway. The guys came in late, but the defense will keep them in this game. But right. they're not going to win this game, even though going to Laramie, it's not late in the year where weather could be an issue, like that CSU game last year. It's going to be a game that's going to cause Boise State to struggle a little bit. But what will end up coming coming down to be, I think. Is that yeah? Why don't we make it a bunch of three and outs or five play, short drives for Boise State? But then what will happen is that <laughs> they'll get so tired because their offense will do the same thing: go three and outs and not have any extended drives to give that defense any sort of break. And at some point, Boise State will break through because that defense, while good, will get a little bit tired later in the game when they're getting ninety second breaks because the offense goes three and out on four straight possessions. That's what I think will happen. Where it might be twenty one to seven. And it's like, oh, that's a, that's not a good result for Boise State or 21-3. But it's because how good that Wyoming defense is, it finally just kind of falls apart because they're just exhausted because they don't get enough rest or help from their offense. That's what I think this game will turn out to be. It'll be closer than people think. But for people who don't realize what Wyoming can do, they're like, well, what's, what the heck's going on? But for people who do know how good their defense is, it's like, okay, that makes sense. They held Boise to 21 points. That's pretty good. See, I think it's going to come down to turnovers. If Wyoming doesn't win the turnover battle, it's going to be ugly. If they go to, like, if they can't just make, if Wyoming can't have, like, a big play or two, that's the only way they're going to keep the score respectable. If they don't have, like, a, a big play or two to flip the field, I think Boise State's going to end up winning by, like, 17 points or more. I think it's going to go badly because Wyoming's just not going to be able to score points. Let me ask you just on the offense, if, if if okay, let me ask you this: If Wyoming gets the ball at the twenty yard line, how many times are they going to be able to drive down the field and put points up on the board? I don't know. Without a running game, not likely. <laughs> right? Maybe once or twice. That's my point. Like they, like they're like the turnover thing. Like Logan Wilson, Wingard, Apps. Right. They're they were very very good turning the ball over. So maybe if they get short fields and maybe they kick four field goals, that's not too helpful. If they pick off Rippin because we've seen Rippin struggle from time to time or Madison could fumble. And so if they're going to, they're going to need to get turnovers and be like quick scores or get something really close to guaranteed points. I just, it's going to take a lot more for Wyoming to win than Boise to lose. I don't think Wyoming is going to win. I think it's going to be a situation where if Wyoming can have, and this sounds really condescending to the Cowboys, but if Wyoming can make a couple of big plays, they can make the score seem closer than what the game really was that's what i mean like that's why i said it could be 21 3 or 21 7 and be closer just because of that defense right i think i'll give the cowboys a little bit more i think it could be like a 24 14 where boise state was just kind of in charge the whole time maybe had a red zone you know interception or something like that where you know there was never really down in the game i i think boise state's gonna win pretty handily and i think you're on the same page with that i should note um because i'm getting twitter hate at the moment for josh allen tweets and the bills I did retweet two great passes you just had, so get off my back. I mean, <laughs> I think he might be better in the NFL than he was in college. Yeah, he um, could be. He could be. I, I joke around because I, 
I know he'll probably be okay, but I can. It's easy to poke holes in what he does because when he trips over his own feet and hits people in the legs, I'm just saying. All right, let's move on to the next game. San Diego State at home. Are you afraid of the Aztecs? I need to know that. Yes. Well, okay. I I said yes. I think afraid is too strong of a word. I think that this is the second toughest game on the schedule. More so, um, than, more so than Fresno State. Why is that? Um, because of San Diego State has won on the blue turf before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we take a lot of umbrage at stuff that Rocky Long has done. But, you know, he he's done pretty well against Boise State. You know, if you make it um, a, a relative comparison to Boise State, he's I think he's 2-3. and three, He's won on the blue turf. And they're bringing back – what, are they bringing back four linemen? On the offensive line? Yeah, are they five. bringing back four? Five. Okay, they're bringing back all five linemen. Mm-hmm. You know their running back could is probably going to be good. How good might be up in the air. We think I think we touched on this last night or earlier in the podcast that you're listening to. Uh, he's going to be good. Is he going to be Rashard Penny good? I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. But they're going to be good. And um, Christian Chapman, I mean, he's going to do all right. And their defense is going to be good. I just think they're a well-rounded team. And they don't – with Fresno State, we'll talk about this more. They San Diego State does have a body of work. I, they're not just going to fall off a cliff, which Fresno State might. Um, but, but San Diego State, it's going to be a tough game. No, it will be like if Penny, like only not Penny. Excuse me, I'm doing that again all year. Um, if Washington, like air quotes, only gets 1,500 yards, any team in the, con- in the country would basically want that. And, right. And so even if he does that, it's like, well, that's still really good like going to Chapman like people give me crap about it. like he he's he's proved me wrong a little bit where he's had a couple of huge drives when he had that huge driver San Diego State a couple years ago and then the Stanford drive last year he's proven he can selectively be good but there's two things with that they're not offense that's going to throw a ton to give him the opportunity to go for like 350 and two three touchdowns or even 250 and two touchdowns that's not what they do because they run the ball if they put the game on his shoulders He's shown to do it here and there, but not for an entire game. And they lose guys like Mika Holder and other receivers on the team. David Wells is gone. Nick Bodden is a huge loss at tied at full excuse me fullback former QB. I don't think me and Matt touched on that enough last show when we talked about them. But that's a big loss for the running game as well. Despite having all five linemen, they have decent special teams. Whoever's back there, if it's Washington or um, somebody else returning kicks or punts, this will probably be the most. I think it'll be the most competitive game on the schedule for Boise State. And it'd be the closest one because I will get to Fresno. I like what they'll do with Marcus McMarion getting a full offseason and not just being thrown in after a month. I'm going to predict Boise to win because they're at home, but it's going to be one heck of a game and could be like 21-20 or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Fresno State's offense is more dynamic because the quarterback can make more plays. Let me ask you this. If Boise State's defense is um, – like circles in a Washington and holds them under like 80 yards, does San Diego State have a chance to win this game? Well, they did it last year, and look what happened. Right. And um, I, I think Boise State's offense is better. And so, I mean, now I'm – No, I'll I think answer your question. No. Win. No, they don't. They, their chances diminish greatly if Washington gets under 90 yards. I think their chances are pretty diminished unless he has like 150 yards. If he can go crazy and just control the ball and and Rippon has a couple of bad passes so the offense isn't in sync, you know, that's the recipe for disaster for Boise State. But I think, you know, playing at home and, you know, coming 
let's just say Wyoming ends up being a victory, but a tougher game than you imagined. And then they're home to San Diego State, and Washington's just having a great game. Ruben makes a couple mistakes. That's, that's you know, where you could run into trouble. But I think Boise State will win. I think you'll see, you know, the two best teams in the conference. I think San Diego State's going to probably represent the Mountain Division or the West Division, and I think we're going to finally get to see San Diego State versus Boise State in the title game. But I think it's going to be a tough game, and I, but I think Boise State will end up winning by 10 points. Yeah, I think it, I think it's going to be super close. So there's a we'll get to that later once it actually comes game week. But it's a it'll be nuts. It'll be like they should have game day that week, but I don't know if that'll happen because Aztec, assuming Aztecs beat Stanford. Do first off, do you think they'll beat Stanford? I don't know. I mean, Stanford <laughs> just did not look good at the beginning of last year, but just got better and better as the year progressed. So will David Shaw carry that over? Um, I don't know. And that's just, it's just so hard. Um, is, is Stanford in uh, – is that in Palo Alto or is it San Diego? It's in Palo Alto this year because last year was at, at the um, – not Qualcomm, but whatever it's called now. It's up north. It's up north this year. Up north. I, 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 I'll, I'll take Stanford in that game. Okay. I just Okay. I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're at a place yet where two mid-majors playing each other can get game day. It's happened before. Really? Two mid-majors? BYU-TCU, Utah-TCU. It's happened a few times. Utah-BYU. Okay. So, yeah. It's been, I, I, yeah, it's happened. So, that week, really quick, if we're going to discuss that week, because this podcast, you're going to treat folks. This might be like over 90 minutes total. <laughs> but if we go to week six, really quick, there's a couple games that could be game days while well, you have – Florida State Miami, which is always a contender. Texas Oklahoma, the Red River River shootout. I'll call it a shootout because that's what I grew up calling it. Going to that game sure. once or twice. Um, you also have one or two others here. Um, maybe, maybe where'd it go? I scrolled down. I saw it. I'm going. Oh, maybe that's it. Those are the only two real big games. I guess Iowa State. No, never mind. I'm not include Iowa State. That's terrible. Um, <laughs> I don't know, Washington, UCLA, if Chip Kelly does something. But there, there's a decent chance that they're both undefeated. LSU, Florida, I guess, as well, Gainesville. So there's that, but we'll see. Yeah, that's... There, there's opportunities that week if they're both undefeated. Yeah, I mean, Texas, Oklahoma. Jeez. Um, what, what if both of those teams are 5-1? and one? Texas is going to be 5-1? and one? Come on. No, okay. Um, Notre Dame's at Virginia Tech. That's the other one I was looking at, yeah. So, um We'll see, but there's there's a decent chance. I'll just say that. There's a decent chance. Yeah. Is that game on I, ESPN? The, the Boise State game. Do you have that in front of you? Uh, it's T, it's TBD. So I think kind of ESPN so itself be, is yeah. kind of. It's a home it, game but it's, it's going to be on the ESPN networks because of Boise State. But um, it's that's the only game that's I think completely TBD on their schedule. That makes sense because the one game they don't have, it's not going to be that game. That's going to be like CBS or something else. So. Right. Well, and BYU is also TBD, but... Um, but that's at BYU. No, no, it's not. No, 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 it's, no, it's, in, it's in Boise. Sorry, because I was at the game last year in Provo, so never mind. All right, so let's move on to Nevada. Can I say this? This is the probably the game I think is most likely to beat be, be Boise State. You can say that, and I will counter by saying last year I applied to write at Mountain West Wire in the middle of the season. <laughs> One of the impetus was you picked... Nevada, you didn't pick them to beat Boise State, but you impassionately picked them to cover the spread, which of course they did not. Yeah. Here's here's my hear me out. It is again August. Uh, was it today's August 9th, tenth, whatever it may be. Here's my reason why I'm saying that, and it's the reason. Maybe it's me thinking they're going to be better than they are. If you could score a lot of points, 
And last year didn't prove me right. I don't. It's a road game, which is it is difficult to go to Reno and win at Mackey Stadium. I just think it's, it's a lot of ifs. Nevada arguably could have the best statistical season offensively in the conference. I don't think that's out of the question for that to happen. That doesn't mean they go nine and three or ten and two or twelve and zero. They still may go five and seven and lose games sixty four to sixty because that defense is dreadful, even with Malik Reed. I just think. They, their offense at potential can cause a lot of craziness. And that's why I think there is a chance. And it's a rivalry game, as you know. It's, they don't like each other right. and stuff. So there's whatever. There's stuff that happens here and there because of that. But that's my point why I, I'm going to pick Boise State to win. But I think Nevada will give them some trouble because I think they're in a groove end of last year. And whatever they do at the beginning of the season, I think they will be playing well enough on offense. It's just that... Boise might just score a touchdown on every single drive. That's a problem. They might it might be seventy to forty five with Boise State winning, and they <laughs> score ten to ten touchdowns, or yeah, they score ten drives, seven touchdowns, whatever. Get to seventy points, ten touchdowns, yeah. But you get my point. It might be just this great crazy shootout, but it's going to be Nevada's going to be causing them trouble, scoring points against, or still a really good defense. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that's where I can envision if I'm going to. Try to find a way for Nevada to get a win. If they even do, it'll be because they just their offense is on fire, which I think it could be at times next this year. How many interceptions did Ty Ganji throw last year? Total How, well, eleven, right? Uh, okay. I'm not looking at it right now, but a decent amount, more than yeah. Okay, like. so I just pulled it up eleven. Okay, so I think the the score will be something like forty five to twenty eight because I think Boise State is just going to score it well. Yeah, and I think Nevada is going to have problems, and they'll probably turn the ball over once or twice. They and, will. Um, like, I mean, I think you might have a moment in the third quarter where the score is like. 35-21, and Nevada is driving, and, you know, just trying to get a little bit worried, mm-hmm. and then... A little hope. Yeah, a little hope, and um, get a little nervous, but I, I, I think Boise State's going to win by two touchdowns, and maybe even more, because if you... I don't think Nevada's going to have the best offense in the Mountain West. I actually think that's a little ludicrous to say that. Really? I, I think they'll be in the top five, but... Well, top five's barely top half. Come on. <laughs> okay, fine. They'll be... I think they'll be in the top three. I think it'll be Boise State and Fresno State will be the top two. And then if you want to put Nevada, like, you know, kind of as a 2A, because I don't know exactly how – I don't want to go too far on the limb and know exactly how Rippon and the wide receiving crew will shake out. But I think that's probably going to be the best offense. And I think Fresno State will definitely probably be right up there, might be better than Boise State. And um, I don't I don't know anybody else on Nevada's offense other than Kelton Moore. Who who else is on their offense? Dream, they have Draymond Rax, good wide receivers. They have Ty, okay. Ty Ganji. You ever heard of that guy? No, no. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we talked about him a second ago. No kidding. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. In Oct- when you look at October and November for Nevada, that is um, – what's that? Set eight games for them? Almost their whole – seven games. They were – they had – in passing yards alone, they had 1,800 passing yards. Or no, not 1,800. Sorry, 2,200 passing yards in two months, in eight and seven games. Looking at anybody else, and it's like when they started clicking, you had let's look at CSU had a really good passing attack. They had 1,100 yards in October, and then they had only 724 in in November. More, they had more passing yards in Boise State in that time as well. By well, they're about the same, about even. So they're basically the best passing offense for the second half of the season. And so well, that's that's why I'm thinking they have and they have a good running back too, Kelton Moore. So that's why I'm that's why I'm saying like I wouldn't be shocked. They may not be the best team or offense, 
to overall, like just points per game. But I think like total yards, it's part of their offense too. It's a reason they'll pass a lot. That's why I'm saying they could be the best statistical offense. Doesn't mean they're going to win every game. I just think if the last, if the second half of last year is as good as if it carries over, they're going to be pretty hard to beat. That's why I'm thinking there's a maybe 15% chance they win this game. Okay. I mean, that's the thing. 15% chance to win the game. That's pretty reasonable. I mean, you know, Boise State's not going to have a 90% chance to win every single game. So I guess on the road, I'm not going to argue with that on that. Um, let me read you one sentence from Athlon's um, preview of Nevada. Okay, here's a sentence that they have. The defense gave up 33.9 points game last season and heads into 2018 with uncertainty up front and at cornerback. <laughs> That's like my concern. It's not a good no, it's not to be describing the team. I, I No, I understand that completely. I'm just saying I'm t- – I'm sticking my points to your offense. Come on, can you score points? But that's why that's why I said they could give up ten straight touchdowns against and against Boise State in ten straight drives. Okay, let's look at the schedule. Okay, um, I, I, Boise State's overall schedule. Okay, so I would I think we kind of agree that the toughest game is going to be Oklahoma State, and then we got San Diego State and Fresno State in whatever order. I have Troy. Then would you say Nevada would then be the fifth toughest game? I put Nevada over Troy. As a tougher game. You put Nevada over Troy? Mm-hmm. But they'd clearly be behind San Diego State. I'd put Nevada behind Wyoming. I'd put Wyoming tougher than Nevada. See, then you get then you get into a little bit of scheduling quirks because Wyoming's coming off the bye week and Nevada's coming after the San Diego State game. Both games are on the road. Yeah, that's why Boise's still going to win. Uh, it's, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. I just think Nevada will be tougher than people think. I think Wyoming will be a tougher game. I just think a tougher defense can just cause more variables. Than oh, a yeah, game. and with the way they get turnovers and maybe get those pick sixes back. So let's move on to CSU. Right. Um, do you want to have a 10-second laugh before we begin this because of what happened last year? Or what do you need oh, to compose yourself? Oh, man, I listened to your Colorado State podcast. Hey, if you're a Boise State fan listening to this, go listen to that Colorado State podcast there's a couple of great moments in it when jeremy just says that Colorado State blew their best chance to be someone that mattered and jeremy for some reason left out the fact that he was pretty vocally predicting that Colorado state would go to the peach bowl last year yeah i was they were hey and i will say people laughed at me to say nick stevens wouldn't be better than josh allen he was better than josh allen last year i had people right. they're like brett ripping josh allen I'm like no look at nick stevens I was not wrong by what Nick Stevens did last year. Okay, you were right on the Nick Stevens point, but wrong on everything else with Colorado oh, State. Please, they lost a boy. They were a team like they had potential to do that. They got they played terrible versus CU. Well, there were questionable offensive stuff, but they also only scored like seven points for the officials. Some PI stuff, which I'm not going to blame it, but Colorado wasn't good. You should be able to score against them. They had the potential to be that good, and their offense clicked a lot and did well. But hey, I could be wrong. Come on, it's like how. What, you, what, what would you rather be remembered for? Saying, oh, Boise's going to win 11 games every year? That's easy. Come on. CSU, go 12-0. and 0. I stuck with <laughs> I stuck with it, and there's reasons to believe that was a possibility at times. Okay, so what did they finish last year? Were they 9-3 and three or were they 8-4 and four last year? I think they won seven games, maybe. Let me look and see. Oh, no, no, you're right. They won seven They won seven and five. Yeah, and so it, it's, it, it felt, wheels fell off a little bit, but I, I'm just saying, like, when you saw certain parts of the game, like, there's reason to believe they could be that good. Mike Bubble is just terrible in bowl games and rivalry games. I think he has one victory ever against Wyoming, Boise, Colorado, and bowl games. I think he has one victory ever in that subset. 
well, I'm looking at the schedule last week, okay, last year, okay. So Alabama, they got blown out. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. No worries. Mm-hmm. They lost that snow game in Wyoming. Fine. They lost that close game to Boise State. So that's – okay, so we're getting, we're excusing them for three. I thought the Colorado uh, for game was kind of closer. 17-3, that's not a good score to have. And then that Air Force game is inexcusable. Yeah, the Air Force won when they weren't that good last year. That was that was an issue. That was the uh, – was that the end of the season game where they – Trying to think when that was. Um, no, that was in um, week nine. Okay, week, week nine. So yeah, yeah, it's. I just felt they had they had stuff going for them. Like the snow game, they should have been able to win that game. That they had the running game to do it, but it's just like I, I don't know. It's just like they beat Nevada in a shootout. They squeaked by New Mexico, but part of it was we look at it, man. Like after New Mexico, Air Force, Wyoming, Boise. It's. I was wrong. What can I say? But. They're often no, you're right. I mean, you know, you, you're right. You have to put yourself out there in Colorado State. I mean, sorry, I lost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you pick, did you predict them to win in Alabama last year? Or were you? No, saying... no, no, no. I did not. Um, I was hoping it was like a. I don't remember what I said, but I probably would have said somewhere like a 17 point loss would have been probably best case scenario, which it almost was essentially. You know, if they were 11 and one, and you saw that score 41 23, and that's not the worst thing in the world. No, but he scored twenty three points against Alabama. That was more than half the schedule, probably. Right. I, um, you know, I know that we are kind of running long, but um, <laughs> very. It's fine. We're good. <laughs> I mean, I, are we at the point of no return? Um, I was in last year. That game's always gonna be a little bittersweet for me because I actually was in Denver last year during that game. I, and the government put me up. I, I work for the government, the federal government, and they. So you know, I was in a hotel. They're putting me up, giving me per diem. And, you know, I was at a training course, and they gave me tickets to this game. But they um, Boise State played Colorado State during a holiday weekend. I think it was Veterans Day weekend. And um, I had a friend, a girl, come visit me. And, um, you know, we wanted to go have fun, do whatever. Priorities, so, right. Yeah, so I um, I was trying to convince her, like, hey, we're going to go up to this college town and hang out. And she's like, well, what are we going to do? I'm like, we're going to go to a football game. She's not a college football fan. Uh-oh. And she's like, well, is it going to end early? I'm like, probably not because <laughs> – the game's gonna start at nine, nine. nine o'clock local time. Yeah, good luck with yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> and it's gonna it's gonna run really late, and it's gonna get out at midnight. My voice is gonna be gone, and so I I just ended up giving away the tickets and um, watching the game from the hotel bar in Denver, and um, I could have been there. So I mean, you could have you could have been crying in the first half and crying for joy in the second half. Oh well, do you know what the worst would have been is if me and her went to the game and she just complained and convinced me yeah. to leave at halftime. I, that... I know. It's, you're like, it's fine. We're losing. It's, you're terrible. The it's like the Kurt Gibson thing. It's like what the you see all the cars parked trying to go back inside or something. Right, right. <laughs> I would have had to delete my Twitter account if I did that. Oh boy. I mean... No, you just don't tell people about it. That's what you do. <laughs> right. All right. But... So let's move. On. We should move on because okay. we do need to get going here because right. this. Okay. I am going to make this one long podcast. So you guys are going to suffer for two hours of this. So. <laughs> And then we can all be people complaining. Then here's the thing. Boise State fans can't say I hate their team anymore because they have some reason, some do. I don't know why. But I think you're I think um you've taken over the Utah State fans hit you, right? That's that's kind of been there for a while for some reason. They just okay, don't well, like, I didn't know about that, but I guess um, it's maybe. they just they we're not gonna get into it now. They're just um very I'll just say some of them are sensitive. Okay. Which <laughs> it's whatever. Okay. So real quick, um so CSU game actually um Boise should win because if we if we could go back to our CSU show with Matt, we kind of break these down a little bit here and there. But basically, probably KJ Carter Samuel's quarterback. We don't know. We'll call and he'll be ready by then. I don't know. The only real chance the Rams have, honestly, for me is Izzy Matthews, Bodie running very well. 
but I don't think that'll be enough. I, you know, it will have to take something like Boise State game against Utah State, like, what is that, three or four years ago, where they, for some reason, turned the ball over seven times in the first half. It'll, it'll take something like that for Colorado State to win this game. I, I wouldn't go that far, but with their quarterback situation being up in the air at the moment and probably fluid and losing Michael Gallup, it'll, it'll take a lot. Something something like that. Like Or look what Utah okay, State. you're right. Utah State versus BYU. Jalen Davis has three pick sixes, something like that. Which is still outrageous. So then you go to Air Force, which we know the triple option is. Is it still an issue with Boise State fans? Is that still a problem defensively? It'll always be a problem because <laughs> every it, it team said ever before Air Force came came along. It was a problem, you know, before I was going to Boise State. Like you know, just looking up, like it was a problem when they played Rice, and um, so it will always be a problem. I will never feel confident enough to say that the triple option is not a problem. It's a problem. That's why I always say when they play any team that's really good, just let Air Force recover no matter what. <laughs> Almost any time. So this game, they should have their same quarterback. It's on the road. Let's just say, let's like Boise's. I think their defense is good enough to be fine in this game. People are saying Air Force isn't going to be very good because their advanced numbers aren't favorable to them because they lose a lot of talent or players and, and just pure numbers and c- contributions. But they always have JV football. They always bring in a brand new offensive line, and they're fine. This will this will be this game will be fine. It'll be entertaining because what Air Force does. But Boise should, I think, win this game because Air Force is not their defense is always their issue. It's every year if their defense is average or really good, and their defense is not going to be average because they lose a lot of players. So, oh wait, I'm just reading about Air Force. I, I I'm. I was just I was so little worried about Air Force that I figured I'd just quickly scan their roster while you were talking. Um, so McVeigh is gone, and mm-hmm. that's a big deal. That is a big deal because he kind of he he was a player um, last year, and so and they bring him back Workman, and it doesn't matter who their wide receivers are since they don't throw the ball. Mm-hmm. So I don't. What's going on with their defensive coordinator? I remember you touched on that. We don't know. I, we don't know. I, I googled that immediately because the, so for people that are, that don't know what I'm talking about, Jeremy said during um, one of the podcasts that Air, Air Force, Force doesn't premium. have a defensive coordinator. Yeah. So the crazy thing about that. Like, I was just looking around. I'm like, where is it? What's going on? Like, me and Matt were like, oh, maybe it's going to be this guy who's an assistant head coach. He's now labeled as that, a, I think, the D-line coach. And I was, like, just kind of half kidding. Is it government secrets? Maybe he hasn't told us. The next day, they have, like, the state of Colorado has a big – some sort of a – every every college, head college football coach in the state just has some lunch with us questions. And that was brought up. I'm like, our timing could not be better that we discussed this already. But he, <laughs> he has – he just isn't saying um, he didn't say it media days. He hasn't said it. Pra- I don't think he said it practice yet at the moment. I should check in that. But he, they are not saying what their defensive coordinator position, like who it is or what it is, or if there is going to be one. Well, <laughs> I'm, so I'm assuming they have all like I don't know. Is it nine paid coaches? They have all nine paid coaches, right? I, I they just don't have one person named a defensive coordinator. You can have ten coaches. So let's look into that real quick. Um, so, are you are you scared about this game at all? How does this make you? How does this game kind of? What do you think about it? I don't want to say I'm not scared just because Air Force has earned that respect. I guess. Um, no, no, but I'm not scared. Why would I be scared? I mean, they're just <laughs> a mean, tricky team to play. I'm not scared, but I'm not scared, but like just kind of. There's always concern with this offense where they could always bust out three big plays and have scored 21 points in like 90 seconds because they have an 80 yard touchdown run, or the opposite where they take. 14 minutes into a 15 play drive 
Well, right, because if you say the best part of a Boise State's defense is that defensive line, even though the Boise State secondary is really well, really good as well. I mean, when you play against a triple option, it either kind of nullifies the defensive line, or you know, it just makes them play in a different type of skill set than they're used to playing. I always just say this: when you play when you play this type of team, you can you always have to do the same play no matter what. You cannot take one. You, you get if you're that nose tackle. Sorry, but you got to take the fullback dive every time in the face. Because one time you take the step to the left, they're going to burn you up the middle for 30 yards. What do you think about Workman as a passer? Can he can he throw for 150 yards if he has to? He's done it a few times, but they don't have a guy like Jalen Robinette. Mm. So that's the problem. Like They don't have a great um, pass, pass catcher. Even it might be four for 60, like that huge yards per catch ratio, but – he could pass okay, but I it's obviously they don't I don't think they have a receiver who can do anything what he could do, which he's probably arguably their best receiver ever. Outside of like maybe uh who was a Chad not Chad Lewis, um I forget who it was. He played every position, was in the Eagles for a while in the NFL. Um look at their coaching stuff really quick. They seem to have more than ten coaches here. How is that possible? Well, you could have a bunch of guys that are like unpaid or like you can only have a certain amount of guys yeah. that are that are paid on the field coaches during games. There's a coach assistant backfield. What does that entail? <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to assume that, well... <laughs> Obviously, that running not... back coach, but it's it's a, <laughs> his, his official title is assistant backfield. Is that defensive backfield or a running backfield? Offensive backfield assistant coach. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what they have real quick. Troy Calhoun, one, head coach. Um, Jake Campbell, the assistant backfield coach. Tim Cross who I'm assuming is a D.C. because he's assistant head coach, D-line coach, assistant offensive line coach, Jordan Eason, Nick Jones, tight end, whatever the Spurs coach is. Off, I, I don't know. I, I This is not going to sound well if we go through all these and do this because what the heck is the Spurs coach? I don't know. So you know I, Greg, is it named after Greg Popovich since he went to the academy? I don't know. Is that just like a formation that they run? I, I, don't, I don't know what that is. It says Brian Knorr enters his first year as coach of the Spurs and is in his third stint with the Air Force football program. Um, he, oh, wait, we may have found the defensive coordinator here. Possibly. He was a D.C. at Wake Forest. Okay. At some point. <laughs> I'm just saying. We're looking for clues. Um, it's just labeled, okay, defensive assistant. And, well, and he's a new hire this year. Uh, maybe it's a Hail Mary by Troy Calhoun, so an opposing team doesn't go look at their defensive coordinator, then go look at Wake Forest tape. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I need to look at I, this. Is it's a good thing you brought up. I should look at this later. Maybe do some article on it this week. But um, so Boise State wins, right? That's our game plan. Yeah, Boise State wins. I think it's going to be one of those like stressful like twelve point victories where it doesn't really feel good until there's like three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Because so I, I'm going to go twelve point Boise State stressful victory. All right. So then we got BYU at home. Um, I'm start. I'm starting to cover BYU again for another job. So let's just yep. say this: um, quarterback situation up in the air. Running back, who knows? Receivers are still garbage. Because so last year was not a one off. A little, but not much. Here's the thing: quarterback competition, competition coming behind Tanner Mangum, um, a senior, true freshman. You know, Zach Wilson was possibly going to Boise State. Right, he point. was supposed to go to Boise State. Yeah, it was supposed to. He, it's going to be between him and Man- Tanner Mangum. So it's true freshman, senior on the way out. What are you going to do? Um, Dylan Colley, who we know from Hawaii, is going to be their, like their top receiver, or but he wasn't very wasn't amazing at Hawaii. Defense. They have a new offensive staff at BYU, so. 
and they have a pretty tough first half of the schedule when they play like Wisconsin um, and a few other teams that are pretty good. But I don't see how BYU can win this game because I don't think they're there yet because they are going to struggle to make a bowl game. I agree with that. I, I want to really quickly look at BYU's schedule. Are, are they just playing a bunch of hard teams before Boise State? Or do they get our – are they catching a bye week right before they play Boise State or um, something crazy? Not sure about a bye week. I do know their November home schedule is always a point of contention because everybody hates it because mm. it's usually UMass, East Carolina, right, East right. State. Because who are you going to get in November? This year they get Utah, which is pretty cool. But their schedule at Arizona, hosting Cal, at Wisconsin, McNeese State, at Washington, <laughs> Utah State, Hawaii home, off week. NIU at home, then Boise State. So it's a it's a tough schedule. Well, okay. Well, just in regards to the Boise State game, they're going to be pretty well rested because they'll they'll be at home. Mm-hmm. Let's just say they go to Washington, get their brains kicked in, and then they come back home. They'll host um, Utah, Utah State. State and Hawaii. Split those games. Have a nice little week off. Mm-hmm. Northern Illinois is not good. Eh, um, it does. It doesn't matter what they did five years ago. No, no their I, defense is pretty good. That's one thing I'll give them. Their defense is pretty good. How many games did they win last year? I, I don't know. They almost beat San Diego State. Uh, one, two, three, four, eight five, five, six. Eight, yeah, five, okay, eight, eight, five. Down year eight, for them five. as well. Down year for them, we should add. Okay, okay, okay. so maybe I'm underestimating Northern Illinois a little bit. but just, So I guess the schedule... They're okay. They're okay, NIUS. Right. So, okay, I... What, what's your take? What What do you think is BYU's? Um, what do you, do you think they're going to finish um seven and five next year? Oh man, they're not beating Arizona. I don't think they'll beat Cal, even though Cal's not good. No way they beat Wisconsin. They'll be zero and three. They'll be. They may not be. They're not going to beat Utah State. I don't think this year. They could be sitting. Honestly, when they play Boise State. I would not be shocked if they have two victories. With those being yeah. McNeese State, Hawaii. Now, can they beat Utah State? Maybe. Can they beat Cal? It's at home? Maybe, because Cal's, they're okay. They're, I, they're honestly, I'm just, not to, whatever, no BYU fans listen to this, really. But what I'm saying is, I wouldn't be shocked if they're sitting at two wins before they play at Boise State. Could they possibly be four and four? They could beat NIU, I think. That'd be three wins. They could beat Utah State, maybe four. Yeah, there's a chance, but... I, I, that would be the that would be the best case scenario, right? Because they're not going to beat Northern Illinois, Utah State, and Cal, right? No, because even at Arizona, there's a small chance with Kevin Sumlin as new coach, but Cal right, State right. will take care of them. Like I, they could beat Cal, they'll beat McNe- Well, they should beat McNeese State because they lost to East Carolina and UMass last year. So, just saying, like the Cal could be a victory, McNeese State be two, Utah State could be a victory for best case is five. Like extremely optimistic, we're only losing to. Washington and Wisconsin, Arizona. So they're probably probably three wins because I th- I see that's um, three wins probably is where I'd give the best chance. So Hawaii, McNeese, and then they'll grab Cal, Utah or, State, or Northern Illinois. One of them. Yeah, yeah, one of those. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. Three, three games. Okay, so. that's unfair. Um, really quickly since we yeah, really quickly just, us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> since we're since we're just blowing through this podcast. Um. Uh, you know, with the Oregon, um, by scheduling Oregon, Boise State will not be playing BYU this year's. Ooh, isn't their schedule? What does that contract end? It wasn't like a twelve-year deal. Uh, it ends in twenty twenty-three. It will be the last year that BYU is on the schedule. So as of now, 
they do not have BYU on the schedule 2024. And the reaction, the early reaction on Twitter has been kind of split. And I'm of the mind frame that this is a pretty good rivalry. BYU is mm-hmm. still a good name to have on the schedule. So they're, it's it's a good team to have. So in 2024, they will definitely not be playing because Boise State it has Georgia Southern, Houston, Oregon, and Cincinnati. They can add BYU back on the schedule, but... Um, With Hawaii's exception? Well, I think... Uh, let me see, 2020. Yeah, they could. They would be playing if, assuming that the Mountain West doesn't whatever implode. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right now, I guess they're predicted to play Hawaii in 2024. But this could be the end of the Boise State BYU rivalry. And I and I'm, I feel and okay calling it a rivalry, the building toward a rivalry. Yeah. But that's something to be on the lookout for. And I think. I think the thing with BYU, and you could probably talk a lot more about this without making this a BYU podcast, but um, their football program is a lot in the air. Like, if they keep winning five, six games a year, our team's going to, like, our Arizona and Cal and Wisconsin going to keep wanting to do home and homes with them? Not home and homes. Two for one, neutral site, um, three for three for two, like, uh, stuff like that. Um, part of it is, it is a big name. You know you're going to be at ESPN, which, if you're at the Big Ten, what's the big deal you already are, essentially? But... Sure. It's that's true. There is a diminishing return if you're only winning three to five games. Also, I think why they will still be on the schedule. It's like you mentioned. Who knows? Half hour ago, whenever we discussed this, um, <laughs> half these leagues or more than half have to want to play or ha- are required to play non-conference team that's considered a Power Five school. So that's why BYU could still maybe get these games, but they'll be basically okay. We'll play a 2019 at our place. We'll come back to you in 2025. Something right. like that would be. There's wiggle room. Like, they're still waiting for a Notre Dame or Notre Dame to return home games. They're still holding on to that because there was an agreement to have Notre Dame come back to Provo and play BYU. Has not been the case yet. And there's all sorts of stuff with their ACC deal that those playing USC, Stanford every year. It's tough to mix that in. That's seven games right there. So, that it's going to be tougher and tougher. Even though, like, I'm looking at their schedule now, they're pretty set through 2023. 2024. It gets iffy because really quick, not again, not to make it BYU, but really quick to your point exactly. Twenty twenty four, Hawaii, Georgia Southern, East Carolina, UNLV, NC State. Ooh. Just saying. Yeah. None of but, those, like even NC State, they're they're just okay. Well, I think the thing with BYU is that they're a good name and they're going to have a lot of open dates at a school. I don't know, like a, like a power five school can say, hey, let's just put BYU if something falls through. And so I think BYU will – okay, they're not going <laughs> to – they're not going to have NC State as a marquee game of their schedule. Well, no. hopefully not. No, so. they'll, they'll probably have Utah. They'll probably – the Boise State game, If there could be a year or two absence just because of the way the scheduling yeah. works out. But it's going to be – it's a long-term thing. It's something their ADs wanted to play Boise State continual as long as they can. Because a it's a good team and it's close to travel. Both fans, like Boise fans, will come down the six seven hour drive each way. They'll both make that or make the quick forty five minute flight. This might just be, you know, Kurt Apsey, the Boise State AD, flexing some muscle. You know, maybe this is a thing where like BYU needs Boise State more than um, the other way around. Uh, depends if BYU keeps going four nine. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, we could get caught up in this because Fresno I State. We need to get to Fresno State. Actually, really quick, New Mexico victory, right? At New Mexico win, nothing to talk about at all, even though they did beat Boise a few years ago. Wait, isn't New Mexico playing Boise State the week yeah, after? Yeah, let's just get, let's get that game out of the way. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, that's I, Bob Davey, he's getting rid of the triple option. And, is he, um, let me ask you this. Is he the head coach by Halloween? 
I think yes, only for the reason that New Mexico is very, very poor and they don't <laughs> want to pay somebody new and he probably can coach. And so and, unless they get fired him for cause for that, whatever the heck is going on off the field, I think they'll probably keep him around until the end of the year. But um, I'm adamant he's gone before Halloween. He's not on the sideline on Halloween. Because if 10% of what they said has been accused or alleged, he should be gone. Yeah, yeah, okay. So obviously for the off-field stuff, I'm saying just football, there's a chance he might just get failed. It might get fired for – Yeah, that too. Well, That's why the double whammy. You'll think, okay, your right. bad, bad image and you're losing, peace out. And No, he's, he will not be the coach next season for sure. <laughs> okay. I, I just think New Mexico is, is... – No money? <laughs> to work no, no money. They're not going to sink money into a, a failing year. So, I mean, maybe they keep him around. Maybe they don't. Maybe they throw in the towel by the time they um, are traveling to Boise. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're going to get blown out. Um, triple option, no triple option. It's not going to go well for them. Yeah, the running game has been stagnant from last year. All right, so let's go. Let's get back to Fresno State. This is the one game I have not predicted for Boise State. Mm-hmm. At this moment, if you've heard my Utah State podcast with me and Matt, I have Boise State at the moment eleven and zero. Why should I? Why should I pencil in or pen in twelve and zero against Fresno State? Okay, so here's where it gets hard. I'm going to say in this podcast, I'm going to pick Boise State to win every single game. But if you ask me what I think their overall record will be, I'll probably say 11-1 and because I think either they'll lose to Oklahoma State or they'll beat Oklahoma State and probably drop another game. So it's two different questions. Do you think if you have to say is Boise State going to be twelve and zero or eleven and one? The smarter money says take eleven and one. <laughs> exactly. But if the question is who do you like better, Fresno State at Boise State and Boise Idaho, that so those are two different questions. I know it is, so I wanted to get the answer. Okay, let's just stick to the Fresno game itself. Why should I make Fresno State? Why should I pick Boise to beat Fresno State than just by itself? Because we've had this, me and Matt. Like Utah State, like yeah. I, I said, literally, like if you go just each game in a vacuum, I can see Utah State winning every single game. Will they? No, of course not. It's very difficult, and they've never done it before, I believe, unless there's some nineteen thirty five team where they went seven and zero in like the Rocky Mountain Conference. So as for this game itself, what like this will be a really good game. I like I think I mentioned Nevada game is the one to watch the most. I think they could be the most exciting. But we've seen Fresno and Boise play twice, two low scoring games. Fresno's offense struggled because I think part of it, Jordan Mims' running game was still young last year. Marcus McMurray came in mid, basically mid-season during camp, I believe, or when the first week started. Right. I think, I think, and I'll say it when we talk about Fresno, the offensive difference for Fresno from last year to this year will be the biggest jump of any team in the conference, just based on him. And they have probably arguably the best receiving group as well. So I think this game will not be what it was last year in either matchup. I think there'll be a lot of points – Well. Maybe not a lot of points, but a lot of big plays offensively. Like it may be 35 31, probably in the 20s, but this will be a hard fought game where offense gets a big play on both sides, defense makes the big play. There'll be big plays on every aspect of this game. And this one okay, makes before, it very difficult to pick. Very difficult. Before you make your pick, I'm going to give you a counterpoint. Yes, McMarion will have another year, and they'll have another year to just build an offense around here. But so will the rest of the conference have a year to build a defense to kind of have some more game tape on Jeff Tedford. Jeff Tedford, yeah. he's, he's a competent coach. He's not a good coach. And, I mean, you know, 
being competent was better than whatever Tim DeRuiter was doing. Oh so I think he put a pro-style offense in there, got a good quarterback, and they had some pretty good athletes down the valley, and they had a good year. I don't think Fresno State's going to fall off the map, but I think they will take a step back next year. And when I say a step back, I think they'll probably go in four. Hmm. Um, they're going to be dangerous because Marcus McFarren is a good quarterback. He's a dynamic player. And Jeff Tedford is a competent coach. <laughs> so they, they'll do some things, and they got they got, they got got Jeffrey Allison, a few other guys on defense that could play. But I, I just don't think they'll be as consistent this year as they were last year. I think their defense will be because they bring basically everybody back. That's where I get your point. And Tedford's around that they realize what he's doing because he hasn't coached in forever when he came back last year. And so it's like it's like in baseball, this the guy comes up from double A, has like five right. great starts, goes like four and one. 1.2 ERA, and then he goes like four and six the rest of the way because, oh, he does this on this count. He, they figure him sure. out. And that's probably going to happen to a degree, but they also have a lot of talent is coming back. It's not – I would agree with you more had, say, they lose seven starters on defense. But they're okay. bringing basically everybody back where there's going to be both of that. These players are going to be better. They learn the system better, just not just with McMarion, but it's just more comfortable what they're doing. However, they also lose, lost their defensive coordinator to a CFL team. And so and there's that I'm- as well. And I'm reading a note that says that they are losing some players up front. I, I don't. I'm gonna admit that I don't know much more than that. But are, what's going on with their defensive line? I will need to look because I haven't studied enough on there. Um, I think that's where they lose most of their talent. Let me double check. But I think it's two or three guys they're losing there. But again, if they lose, if that's the case, that gives a pretty good chance for our good old Madison to have a pretty good game against that Boise offensive line, which we discussed, which should be really good. Okay, so um, looking at FPI, Boise State has a 77.8% chance to win this game. That is a really high number for playing the second-best team, or maybe third-best team, depending on how you um, score San Diego's team in the conference. That's too hot. Really quick to defensive line. Yes, they lose basically everybody. Malik Forrester, Robert Stanley, Tobina Okeke, and Nathan Madsen, four of their top five. However, just to put play each give equal time here the five guys behind them each each played last year 12 plus games okay right but their numbers obviously don't match up to the almost 30 tfls lost or half a, a dozen sacks lost so they're losing a lot of talent which is huge also to consider late in the year these guys will play a lot but everybody who's backup backups last year have played but it's still a big loss all right so it, one other thing that's uh, that's worth mentioning is it's a short week. Um, Fresno State plays at home. Oh, no, they travel to UNLV, come home, and then they play Boise State on Friday night. That's a big deal. And also, remember, UNLV beat Fresno last year. That's an anomaly. That's I'm, a just, small saying. Glimpse. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's a small glimpse of the inconsistency you get with Jeff Tedford. That's true. I, I don't know who to pick because we've seen they split both games. We've seen right. the difference at home and on the road. And we saw what happened with the Vanderish did pick it off McMarion to basically win the title game last year. I think the seven, seven to eight point margin's too high. Even though I do too. it's because this game is at Boise. This should be probably like a four at this point in August, like a four point game. I'm going to pick Boise to win, which means undefeated, which crap. Come on. <laughs> it's, well, it's, no, you have your, you have your ace in the hole for the last game. Uh, I've already talked about them, so it's it's you talk, people already know. But it's, all right, all right. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying to pick any team undefeated, it's just dumb, right? But it's like every game, there's their favorite twin except for Oklahoma State, and that's I think that forty percent on that game is too low. 
But Boise could win because the defensive line Fresno is not there. But I just I th- I think the offense will be much better for Fresno State because McMarion has that time, and so it's going to be a game like last, like the past two games. It'll be close. That's all I could say. It's this game's freaking November tenth. No, That's four well, months away. <laughs> and I think um, so here here's the thing. I I think that the I, I look at the San Diego State game and the Fresno State game a little bit differently. I think in, in the San Diego State game, I, I kind of think that it's just gonna be two guys stepping in the ring and trading blows, and I think Boise State will just barely come out the victor. With Fresno State, I think Boise State's the better team and should win, but it's like you know Fresno State has enough trick punches up its sleeve that you know McMarion if. He could have a great game if that defense plays a good game. If Rippon is not at his A game, if he even brings in a B game, that's something to be worried about. If Boise State has a key player injured. So I, I think that, that this game is a little bit tricky because I just don't know what Jeff Tepper is going to bring to the table in November of next year. Well, it's true. Maybe, maybe he's learned a lot. It's going to do some changes and may do – not that he does a lot of trick-type plays or schemes, but like you said, he's a – competent coach not a great coach one thing we do know they mentioned the court Mike Matt will bring this up a lot the quarterback stuff yes he's known for Aaron Rodgers he somehow got um Kyle, Kyle Bowler a first round pick <laughs> with the Ravens so he's pretty good at the quarterbacks I won't say amazing great but what he's really good at running backs Javad Best uh, Marshawn Lynch and so that's another area where Jordan Mims the running back who'll have another year that's where another area where I think the offense could improve because he's a really good guy coaching running backs but I'm still going to take Boise because they're at home, but it's a toss-up. That's all I can do. Just like a flip of the coin, who's going to win this game? And I guess my side has a Bronco on it, and they're going to win. I, you know, um, if I, I would say that the spread would be about two points, maybe 2.5, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you know traditionally you give a team that has the home field advantage. So, yeah, I mean, I would say that close to being a toss-up. I just think that – I think Tedford, you know, and I kind of um, – alluded to this with Rocky Long, you kind of know what you're going to get with Rocky Long. You know he's probably going to win nine games, and they're going to have a strong running game. I, I don't know what Tepper's going to have. I think, it, you know, it won't be stunning if Fresno State goes 7-5 and five next year. I think it's more likely that they go 8-4 and four or 9-3, and three, but, you know, they could take a step back, and, um, you know, their offense might not be as explosive as it was. I mean, Fresno State was terrible two, just two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one game, one victory. So, right. All right, let's move on to the Utah State game really quick. Utah State... They're a team, if you hear me talk about it, I still don't know where to put them. Utah State fans are, like we mentioned before, they're sensitive, they're picky. They're a very defensive group because, like, we picked them, I think, fourth in our preseason poll. Media picked them fourth. I felt CSU was too high for some reason. I think it's CSU. Or no, Wyoming was too. That was odd. But until they can prove it for me, they are, I believe, 1-12 in, in one possession game, so eight points or fewer. 1-12 in, in the past three years, I want to say, or two years. They got to turn that around if they're going to expect me to say, yeah, you're going to win eight or nine games or even challenge against Boise, Fresno, or San Diego State. You know, here's the thing that I don't understand about Utah State. And I've, I talked to one of our writers, Logan, about this just briefly. But um, they, I get the sense that Utah State fans are expecting to go nine and three. They're thinking they're going to lose to Michigan State and Boise State and maybe to drop one other game and then win every other game on the schedule. I think that's possible, but thinking that that's, chalk for them I, I don't know no. they're not playing San Diego State or Fresno State I don't think that's going to happen no look at it though like when they played last year like they split quarterback with Jordan Love and um, Kent Myers but like look at a couple games last year like they 
not even competitive outside of the first quarter versus Wisconsin. I get that. You get beat out by an okay Wake Forest team. They're just weird because they crush San Jose State, which is expected, but 61 points is really good against any team you play. The BOE game was different, but like, the game I'm really looking at is like UNLV. They have a big lead in, in – um, or they, they're down – 28-21 or something. 28 so they basically they had to score like 40 points in a row to beat UNLV. Like they had these games with these huge swings. And so it's like even the Air Force game, that was 38-35, that's kind of back and forth. They just seem to get themselves in a hole or they get a big lead and let teams come back. And so okay, and- it's just hard. They're not for me, they're just not they're too inconsistent to have a good read on them. So I'm saying like a bowl game, probably I could see it coming together. Defense is finally getting somewhat close when Gary Anderson was there. They need a running attack because they have none. Maybe this new offense, newish offense with David Yost in year two, the the basically kind of Oregon esque type offense they want to run back with the Chip Kelly type deal where you run fast, you go three to four wide up, but you still run a lot. Maybe that's coming into fruition, but their defense hasn't been what it has been in years. And their offense has been inconsistent. Part of an injury at quarterback, going back to Chucky Keaton a couple years ago, who's now back on staff. But they've been so inconsistent, it's hard for me to get a good read. So to say Utah State fans, it's your team. Say what you want. But to make mark down eight wins guaranteed, I cannot do it for this team. No, I think eight wins too much. And, um, okay, their defense is going to be pretty good, but their offense is going to be pretty We don't uneven. know. Yeah. I think I, I think seven wins. Okay, if you I, I, you can convince me to seven, and this is the reason why because I think they don't play San Diego State or Fresno State, and Wyoming and Colorado State, who they both lost to last year, are taking a step back. You want to give them a victory there, you know? You could talk me into seven wins, but I think saying like you know nine wins, eight wins, I I think that's a little foolish. Here's the thing, my you heard our my Utah State prediction, right? Yeah. Their show, so you're calling me foolish for me going nine and three. Here's the thing. When you, it, it's again, we look at games in a vacuum. It's easy, like it's why I said. To be honest, when you look at Utah State's schedule, outside of Michigan State, they could beat. I think they could beat any team, even Boise State. Very difficult on the road, but it, it wouldn't be this overly Howard over UNLV upset if they were to beat Boise State at home. Pretty big, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't put it like Stanford over USC, whenever that was with Jim Harbaugh. Very right. unlikely, but like really quick, Utah State, like they're not going to beat Michigan State, but New Mexico State. That should be a victory. New Mexico State loses a lot in offense. Tennessee Tech, obviously a victory. Air Force at home should be fine. We already discussed how BYU, who knows what's going on with their offense. UNLV's an iffy game, but it's at home. Like, there's like, it's tough. Like, they could lose UNLV. They could lose that Wyoming. They could, they could, I, I could see them winning seven games. I went 9 and 3 because I do believe they're going to be better. But the, I, 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 pro- I probably was, and I realize now, probably too optimistic for them. But when you play like UNLV at home, that should be a win. At Wyoming, probably should be a loss, but I put them at nine and three, so I'm gonna stick with it because that's what I do. Did you pick them to beat at Colorado? I'm assuming you picked you picked them to beat Colorado State. On no, the road? I, no, that was a loss. Uh, that's okay. So that's the third loss. So here's the problem. It's the same thing with the way I'm picking Boise State. I think that Boise State. Okay, let's just say for like a quick math equation, I think Boise State has about a ninety percent chance to win every game. Okay, let's just say for the sake of this example. So if I say that, that means that that means they go twelve and zero. But if you look at an aggregate total, that probably puts them at eleven victories. And I think you kind of fell into that trap here with Utah State. Like, if you had to say who's going to win, Utah State at Wyoming. You know, you went with Utah State. Fine. No one's going to hold you against that. I'd say that's probably a 60% chance, maybe 55. Yeah, really quick. I, I go to FPI real quick, just kind of back you up here. They are, their projected win loss is 10.0 to 2.7 because 
they're projecting a title game appearance. Ooh, okay. Now I'm seeing, yeah. Percent chance of winning out right now, 2.7. They're only give, they're basically given barely a coin flip to win the conference to win the conference at 55%. So that's something we're probably going to look at this year a lot more because that's a fun stat to look at, like percentage of winning out. And if I go to Utah State, I, I'm going to guarantee those numbers are like, let me take, I'm, without looking, I'm going to say Utah State to win out will be like 0.2. Okay, I'm looking at it right now. No, it's zero. Oh, it is zero? Okay. I was just yeah. like, zero. Okay. When you only go one decimal deep, that's hard. it's not as accurate <laughs> as it could be. Like, give, give me a hundredth place at least. Come on. So, okay. okay. Well, what do you think their chances of winning the conferences? Well, I have it here now, 6%. Okay. So, yeah, 6.4. And you look at that number versus Boise State, that is a bright red number. It's um, Boise State. I Okay. Utah State has a 17.9% chance of beating Boise State. That is not as good of a number. If you think that's a good number, that is not a good number. If you're under 30, that means you basically need some type of – you need some type of scenario like what happened three years ago where Boise State just kept on giving the ball to Utah State every possession. Yeah, and looking at the FPI and ESPN, they predict Utah State to win 10 not, – not, sorry, not predict to win 10 games, but they're um, – favored to win 10 games yeah right right and only two are in the 50 percent range two are in the 50 percent in colorado state 66.1 mm-hmm. yeah but like but that wyoming game is a coin flip and that's it's what i mean wyoming. that's what i'm saying but that's what i mean like there's reason why boise or excuse me why i mean yeah, utah state fans are so optimistic when you look at these advanced numbers like even i don't have fpn for me i won't go to it but that's why I'm looking there. It's like, yeah, I could see the beat at well. I mean, that's a possibility. Like, Wyoming's offense is terrible. So, yeah, it, it, I, Wyoming's offense is terrible. I, I don't think Utah State's offense is too much better. I mean, it's better. True. They need a running game. That's what they need. If they're going to, if like, to make the argument, if they're going to beat Boise State, Jordan Love is going to take a step further this year because he's not, there's nobody looking over his shoulder. They need to find a running game. Because don't you find it odd? Devontae Mays, two years ago, got hurt played poorly, gets drafted by the Packers, and is having an impact on that team as a seventh-round pick. So what what was there? Was it coaching? Was him being hurt? There, it's, 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 it's a lot of inconsistent quarterback play. The, I mean, there's that too. There's a lot of different things. So it, that's where it comes to. If it's going to be Jordan Love, which it will be, if it's him and only him, Rontavian Carver is really good. They have the, probably the, arguably the best tight end in the conference. The offense is coming together. Raymond. Yeah, if they have a good running game, if all this come together – like, there's a chance they, they they've done it before against Boise State. Is it likely? Probably not. But if the offense comes together and it's the final game of the year, hopefully things have gone well for them. They've any issues they figured out for any team in the conference since Thanksgiving weekend. And if the defense does improve, I'm not going to say they're going to win, but it's going to be a good game. And but I'm still going to take Boise State because they're at home and they're proving more. Like I said, okay, well, when those when, think... when those close games, and I'll pick you, Utah State. But until you do, I can't. Okay, well, I think, I think the chance. Okay, is there a chance if if Boise State and Utah State played a hundred times on the blue turf, will Utah State win one or more of those games? Yes, of course, they'll probably win at least fifteen percent. <laughs> but are they going to win this no, no. football game for all practical purposes? No, they're not. Probably and not. I'm going to needle Matt. Matt's not on this podcast, and Uh-oh. Boise State's not going to pull a Fresno State and you know go eleven and zero and then lose the last oh. game of the year. David fails Black Friday. A zillion points, BCS, poof. <laughs> Boise State is not going to do that at home to Utah State. That one, I, I'm going to put myself on the line and say that. I will say this. I would give Utah State a better chance to that San Jose State team if they were to play again, essentially, if we go back in time. 
well, okay, you're only comparing Utah State versus San Jose State in this circumstance. That's what I'm saying. I, like, I'd give. I I say that Fresno State's football psyche has been a weak team over the last decade and a half. They don't win the big game. Oh please! Boise every State every time they complete... play Boise State, that happens. <laughs> Almost every time. Sorry, last year they did well. The one they time. did well, and they also got um, uh, they got Boise State um when they showed Derek Carr's girlfriend crying over and over. So um. <laughs> So they, they, I guess they won two big games, but um, yeah, okay, we've talked about Utah State enough. They have a small chance, and it's extremely small, and um, their offense is going to have to be as good as they could be to have a chance. To keep up, yeah. It's And looking overall the schedule, like, it's a tougher game. Like, it's tougher than – here's the uh, interesting thing. Oh, no, that's not – I'm sorry. I'm, I'm incorrect on that. I was looking at those backwards. But that game, like – it's um, somehow uh, Nevada. It's a road game, so I'm not going to go down this road. But it's going to be a challenging game. That's what I'm going to say. But Boise should win. So you have um, what's your official record? Is it 12 and 0? Yeah, but it's, it's that same. It thing sucks where to we're... say 12 and 0. You know what I mean? It's like, oh. no. I mean, it's, it's it's hard to say 12 and 0 and come off like the way that we're doing it here. We're going down every single game. The only game that I kind of wavered on was Oklahoma State. I said that San Diego State's going to be a tough game, mm-hmm. but I I'm not going to go on record and say, hey, Boise State's going to lose this game. Because I don't think they're going to lose it. I don't think I don't want to pick a specific team, but I think that if you look at it as an aggregate total, they will probably go either eleven and one or twelve and zero. Here's the thing: there are like not there are games like here's the games they could lose: Oklahoma State they could lose, at Wyoming they could lose, San Diego State they can lose, Fresno State they could lose. Those are the four most likely losses on the schedule. Are they going to lose all four? No. Like Utah State's below that, and so is Nevada. Even though I, I, I'm probably too high in Nevada, but I'm just saying those four games. You'd probably agree with me. Those are the four toughest games and four likely losses if there are losses. But they're you know, not. They're, but they're not going to lose all four of those games. That's a point. Well, okay. So this is this is the way I look at it. Okay, I put Oklahoma State, San Diego State, and Fresno State in one category, mm-hmm. and say that worst case scenario they lose two of those games, yeah. and then I put all the other games in another category and say the worst case scenario they lose one of those games. So Boise State's worst case scenario, barring some type of like off the field collapse or engineer in, mm-hmm. injuries or something like that, is nine and three. And then you look at the flip side of that, and I think I think. Not only is it like a Utah State beating Boise State type of thing, I think it's I think it's likely that Boise State will run the table, except for the Oklahoma State, which is a toss up. So yeah. I think it's likely that they go eleven point five. Yeah, that's the point. It's like it's also like you saw us arguing that UCF guy a lot uh, recently on Twitter. You were part of the yeah, yeah. So here's the thing: you make the point clear. UCF, not to bash on them, but they have had a winless season more, twice since year two. two. Yeah, since right. two, two, 2010, right? Or 2000. Twi- the, the, Boise State and UCF combined for five perfect seasons. Um, Four UCF has ran the table backwards twice. <laughs> Boise State has ran the table forward twice. And yeah. UCF has ran the table forward once. My point with that, which you bring up as well, is that the you're bringing up perfectly. Like they're, the floor and ceiling, Boise's worst years, like ever, is like, well, not ever, but in, since. Division One A or FBS is what five like five wins I think their first year I believe, but right okay but let's let's but start the, with two thousand well, onwards that's what I'm saying like since the, I'm just mentioning like for sure, perspective sure. but nine eight wins like people get pissy UCF has had two zero win seasons in this century so your point like okay there could be one game in that group they might lose if they, it's like the Air Force game Utah State game a couple years ago where it's kind of 
out of the ordinary. I won't say fluky, but out of the ordinary for what they normally do. So their range, you're correct, is between nine and twelve wins nearly every year. If they get eight right. wins, that's it's a hard to deal with because why do we have eight wins when we should not have eight wins? We should have nine plus. Some say ten plus. I think ten plus is the baseline's a bit too high, but nine wins should be the bare minimum for Boise State. I think every single year. Okay, well, this year, and the other thing I want to point out is when I say the the range is nine to twelve, that doesn't mean at like ten point five. I'm projecting. Mm. I can't go higher than twelve wins, right? Mathematically, I can't go higher. So I, I'm, what I'm saying is that nine wins is the worst, twelve mm-hmm. wins is the best. I think they'll be a lot closer to the best case scenario. Me too. And I, I think they'll be a. I, if if I have to put a number, I'll say eleven point two five. If I can do a fraction, <laughs> that's fine. If you force me, I'd say eleven, and I think twelve is the second most likely. Wasn't there over under nine and a half? I think. Of wins. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Um, FPI has them at ten. Ten, 10 exactly. Ten and two. Yeah, they predict title game because they're at 55%. I want to look through this because this will be interesting. Maybe I'll do it later. But I want to look at the percentage chance of winning conference. I'm going to bet they're probably top three in the country for that number at 55%. Ooh. Okay. Um, I'm just saying I, I may be way off, but like Utah State's predicted second and then what Mountain Division, they're 6%. And they well, missed Fresno and San Diego State. <laughs> Well, let me let me let me look at UCF's numbers because I can't imagine that Alabama's at fifty five percent chance to to win the conference. So I'd say, okay, you, okay, guess what? Guess what? UCF's um, chance to win the conference is fourteen percent, twenty four. But um, that's not high. That's not much. That's not much. And they're what's the deal with Memphis? Why is Memphis getting so much love? Because I've seen this a few times before. But points, they can score. <laughs> um, UCF is at a a 30% chance to win at Memphis and at North Carolina, and that's not a good number. No, it's not. It's, uh, I don't know, like, they're, like, looking, let's look at, uh, we'll just have some fun for real quick. Alabama's at 36%. I'd have to look at whoever was predicted to win the conference title, like, uh... Oh, you know what? Florida Atlantic, I think that... That could be pretty high. We'll take one more look here, then we'll move on, because this is boring for everybody. Uh, (laughs) No, Florida Atlantic does not... 13%! (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty... Okay, here's my point. We're, this is going to transition perfectly. FPI, 7.7 wins. People saying, like, oh, they're a dark horse to win the New Year's Six game. They go at Oklahoma, Air Force, and UCF. Come on. So, no. let me this. If Boise goes undefeated, they're going – I assume you're predicting, like, a big-time bowl game, right? I think if they go on – I think Boise State controls their own – they control their own destiny. If they go undefeated, they're going to go. If they go 11-1, unless UCF or Memphis goes undefeated, they will go. Yeah. Unless they don't win the conference. If Boise State is is 12-1 and one and the conference champion, I think only an undefeated UCF or Memphis will be ahead of them. That's why I think every, even with the conference itself, whoever's undefeated in the Mountain West – will take that spot regardless of what any other conference does. I don't know if they will have – I think Boise State is ahead of everybody else. I think that UCF might be ahead of um, the Mountain West champion if they have the same exact record. You think so? Even, even if San Diego State's undefeated? Yeah. Be, well, no, 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 no. If they have the same record. That's what so, – well, I mean zero losses. That's yeah, yeah. I mean. So if they're both 13-0 – because that's the way I look at it because, you know, in case a team has a one – like I think Boise State, if they have a – if they have the same record – as any other mid-major, they're going to go. And I think, in fact, if they have one loss, they'll go over any other undefeated mid-major other than UCF or Memphis. That's yeah, That sounds about right. We'll see. I did. I do these rankings end of the year. It's like 
Where does a one loss team fit in? Where does a zero loss right, team fit right. in? So no, okay. Anyway, to get to San Diego State, I think the committee puts a lot of stock into what they did last year. I think there'll be a lot of public uproar if UCF and San Diego State have the same record and San Diego State is chosen. Here's because, no, no. Here's the thing: why San Diego State plays Stanford and Arizona State. UCF, like Matt points this out every time. Arguably, their best victory was like I think his USF was like Stony Brook. Just well, no, no. Well, that's um. Last year they kind of got in because they were undefeated, and yeah, Boise State had two well, losses. Here, real quick, they play South Carolina State. This is UCF. They play yeah. at North Carolina, who lost half its team for selling Jordans. <laughs> <laughs> and then they play in a pretty FAU is pretty good, and Pitt at home. You're telling so me you could you could make for, the you could make the argument that those are three pretty decent games right there. Yeah, but Stanford's gonna be a top fifteen team. They're not playing a ranked team in their schedule in, in non conference play. Right, and if if Boise State, if what if they get Boise State twice? That's what I'm saying. Like, if the, here's my point: Fresno could be ranked, Boise probably ranked, and if they play Boise twice, that's four ranked teams on the schedule. Actually, you know what the best play for San Diego State might be in some type of weird, twisted way <laughs> is if they go 12 and one, where they lose to Boise State in the regular season, then beat an undefeated Boise State, and UCF is also the conference champion at 12 and one. Just win your games. Keep it simple. Yeah, okay, let's not get into all these type of crazy variables, but yeah. So, one last question here. If Boise goes undefeated, we know playoffs not going to happen because we're realistic people. Realistic. Yeah, I'm not a pushover fan. I just know <laughs> that. The t- I'm not going to sit here and get crazy because we don't get into the playoff because I know that a lot of things will have to happen outside of Boise State's control. I will, like, here's one, one last quick thing about me. Utah, Alabama, Sugar Bowl, number two in the country. Awesome. Love it. I'm not, I wasn't fighting for them to be number one. Yeah, it'd be cool if they played Florida. But it was never going to happen. Were they no. the best team? Right. I don't think so. I don't know. I can't say for sure, and I'm not going to claim they were. They got some first place votes more than UCF, so I'm just, I'm just saying like that was a great year. I'd love it. There was no, there was a parade in town. I think along the train route because you won, you won, you won a Sugar Bowl. It wasn't for winning the national title. No, and, no, and you deserved a parade route. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. Gotta- because that's an incredible year. I think actually, if you ask Boise State fans, I don't think there's a huge gripe with um, you know either the 2006 or the 2019 not being the national champions. Mm-hmm. I I think the if there is a gripe, it's that they were left out of the BCS in 2010 and 2011, and I think that's extremely justified. But those teams, we know for a fact, especially with the 2011 team, that they were they I think that they were seven, and I think Kansas State was eight, and both teams got left out because. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sugar Bowl had the ability to go go, go get the 14th ranked Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I think that's my, to this day that's my biggest gripe. Yeah. I don't even for one second think that. I also didn't like how they put Boise State versus TCU. Yeah. Jeez, oh, that was terrible. Because I can go off and hold thing because Boise State should have played Cincinnati and they would have wiped him, and TCU would have crushed Tim Tebow. And yeah. I don't think that the BCS want to see either of those things happen. They did not. Was 2011 – when did they play in the Poinsettia Bowl? Was that 2011? No, no. They played in the Poinsettia Bowl against TCU. That was 2008. Okay. I was thinking something else because that was two highly ranked teams as well. So, No, they played um, Utah in the Mountain West from the Mountain West in 2010, mm-hmm. and that was the Nevada year. Yeah. Where okay. that might have been Boise State's best team ever. but Yeah. Playoff team too with um, Colt McCoy throwing out of bounds. Right. <laughs> All right. So, who do you want if Boise State makes that far? Who do you want to play in? Because it's likely Fiesta Bowl because Rose Bowl gets their matchup, Sugar Bowl gets their matchup, semifinal the other two games, Cotton and uh, Pete, no Cotton and Orange Bowl, I think. So, who would you want? I predicted. I made early rankings. I put um, Boise versus Wisconsin. 
I would love that because I hate the Big Ten. My <laughs> sister is a Michigan grad and my dad is a Penn State grad. And just the arrogance that the Big that Big Ten fans have, they have the most arrogance. And I don't think they're that great of a conference. And that would be so Ooh. great just to smack an old-school team like Wisconsin. And um, then obviously playing the SEC would be good too. But the SEC scares me, as they should, because of the athletes they have down there. Hey, don't, Utah took care of Alabama. I don't care if that guy's suspended. He wasn't blocking kicks. He wasn't stopping. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't stopping defense of Brian Johnson throwing to Brett Castillo or uh, Matt Asiata. Just saying. No, and that's something that Utah can always. I mean, that that's incredible. I mean, you guys beat Nick Saban, right? Yeah, of course. Excuse me. Crushed Nick Saban. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Like we did the um, five words or less. I just put Utah, Alabama, twenty-one zero because that's what to score at some point. That's true. <laughs> that game was not competitive. No, and it was awesome. It was. It was a great. So that's it. We. Oh my gosh. We went. This is going to be, if you saw my tweet just now, Raj, it's going to be a two-parter because we have to. <laughs> so part one is me, Matt, and you discussing the offensive, defense, special teams. This part, which we don't have on very often, which we should more because an hour and 45 minutes. So we're not going to make people have a three-hour podcast. And I want to say, and actually I didn't talk about this with Jeremy, so we're just going to have this conversation right now. Go for There's it. going to probably be another Boise State podcast before the year. And I don't know if it's going to be with me and Jeremy or Matt, or it might just be with me and maybe someone new. Yeah. Because I kind of want to talk about what the fan reaction is going to the game and talk about uh, the New Year's Six game and how fans are feeling about Brian Harson and his team coming up. So there might be something on the horizon that's completely Boise State-centric because – I Boise State is the most important team in the Mountain West because football is the most important sport, and Boise State's the best in football. And sorry, San Diego State, I don't care how many conference championships you won. The only thing that matters is on a national level. And you're so close, level, Aztecs. You're so close. You're getting there. They're, they're, they're not close. They're close, but they got to do it. I know. That's the point. Yeah, they got to do it. This is the year they come to Boise. I mean, if they go, if and. We need to cut this off pretty soon. But if San Diego State <laughs> somehow goes thirteen and zero this year with victories over Stanford and and probably Boise two over and Boise Fresno, State. Arizona State, like either Boise or Fresno twice, which will probably be ranked both times. That's huge. Yeah, huge. and obviously the worst case scenario would be is if oh. that does happen and UCF also goes undefeated. We'll get to that later. But if, if those who remember years ago, we had a specific UNLV basketball podcast that might be the same for Boise State. We'll see. We, we are, I'm totally not against it. More podcast, more fun, more fandom is great. And that's our show. So whew, thanks for listening. Um, check us out, mwwire.com. That's our website. Twitter, iTunes, all that great stuff, MWC Wire. Tune in. I think I make the joke we're on Last FM for a podcast. We might be. If you listen this far and you listen on Last FM, let us know because that would be cool to find out. Also, um, Tasha, because I don't have it in front of you and I don't have it memorized, what's your Twitter handle just so people can find you and your Boise, Boise homerism? Raja Bleeds Blue. All right, that's R-A-J-A Bleeds Blue. So thanks, everyone, for listening. We have one more preview, Fresno State, coming up. Then we will have our mega preview for me and Matt will do something. Maybe we'll bring you back on for an abbreviated version because yep. <laughs> we, we talk a lot, which is fine. And then week zero is here, folks. So check everything out. Go back to our old podcast. We previewed every team, a couple of one-off games. Um, we also have our How to Stream podcast, so go listen to that if you don't know how to um, – if you have like sling TV or whatever, FUBU, we tell you to watch games. So we'll see you next time, folks.